ready to be entertained? Are you not entertained? Let us entertain you. Let us make you smile. All right. Points if you know where that's from. Hello, everyone. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Woo woo. Passions Podcast. Uh, Passions Podcast. I have great news, Latara. Yes. Let me hear it. We've reached the end of season one. We have. It's a, we are on episode 100 today. Yeah. We, we went through episode 100, which is the end of season one. We did it. 1999. Because the, the year's about to turn over. Yeah, that's correct. We're about to have a little Y2K episode. Yep. Can't wait. I don't really know if we will. We probably will. We definitely you think will. Tabitha? Are you kidding me? You think they're going to blame Y2K on Tabitha? Are you kidding me? <laughs> She's been be doing all, all this computer, and, and computer the reason, shit. The whole reason that the Y2K doesn't happen is because like they thwart Tabitha somehow. Yes. Like, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> no. I am... Um, I'm pretty excited about this. Well, episode 100. I thought it would never happen. And truly, it and did yet, not disappoint. It did not. Oh, my God. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about episodes 96 through 100. And strap in, folks, because we're going to New Mexico. Yep. Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sheridan's going to New Mexico. Let's, <laughs> let's dig in. Let's dig in. So let's start with Luis, who is at the Crane Mansion. Yes? He's at the Crane Mansion because he wants to speak to Julian about his missing father, A.K.A. Papa. Papa. I love it. So Julian uh, balks at this little interrogation. He's like, no, you can leave now. And Julian uh, wants to kick him out. But Luis is like, if you don't speak with me, I'm going to take this above your head and go to Alistair. So what do you want to do here? So Julian relents. Uh, Luis interrogates him, but he does a really bad job. What was this line of questioning? Yeah, he says he talks about the call with Alistair and Martin, and he basically just recounts all the information we already know about his disappearance. And Julian then said, <laughs> after he talks about his dad disappearing, Julian goes, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened here, but they don't normally yeah, happen. Yeah, this is out of the ordinary. This is a stone cold tragedy. Yeah. He was like, well, men abandon their families. And Louise says, or is that just what the cranes want people to think that my Papa abandoned us? Well, then Julian goes into this whole thing where he goes, there was a thorough investigation and the Harmony PD questioned everyone, including his co-workers. And Luis goes, uh, yeah, but not Alistair Crane, who is the last person I know who spoke to him. Mm. And Julian says, I, you know, I really have no idea what happened to your father. And Luis continues to question him. And he goes, well, why would the head of the Crane family want to talk to a lowly employee? And Julian's, again, feigning ignorance. He's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Julian finally says, you know, enough. And tells Luis, it's time for you to leave. You're, gonna, you're not going to badger me in my own home. Get the fuck out of my house. But Luis says there, there's going to be much, much more because, you know what? I'm reopening the investigation into my father's disappearance. And that stops Julian. Like, that stops him in his fucking tracks. Yes, stops him dead. Uh, because Julian's like, well, maybe we do know something. Mm -hmm. And he says to, to Luis, you know what? It's time you learn the truth, which means that Julian's about to lie. Let's be honest. When Julian says he's telling the truth, a fib is about to fall out of his mouth. Uh, and he says that he does remember the phone call, uh, from Alistair to Martin, but has kept quiet about it because they were protecting Pilar, which is bogus. We yeah, know been, this can't be true. They've been quiet all these years to shield Pilar. Really? Yeah. We, like you said, we know we know he has tried to fire Pilar multiple times at this point. Yeah, because he's irritated by her son. Yeah. So if her husband did something, he would immediately 
remove her from we the house. Know, Come we, on. We know Julian doesn't give a shit about Pilar no. at all. So he's, this is the story he comes up with. Julian says that Alistair found money missing from the department Martin worked in. And the day after it was discovered missing, Martin was supposed to report for an investigation, but he never showed up. And then he went missing. Yeah. And he's, he also made a little dig at him and was like, he wasn't a very good worker anyway. We only kept him on for Pilar's sake. So basically, he's saying that Martin embezzled money and then absconded. Mm-hmm. That's basically what he's saying. And they love Pilar and her family so much that they decided to keep it to themselves and take care of her. Yeah. It's it's absurd. But And Luis feels the same. He is enraged by this news. He's going, that's a lie. My father was a good and honest man who would never take a cent that wasn't his. And uh, Luis goes, where's the proof? What's your proof? I need some receipts, some evidence. And then Julian says, Alistair destroyed it. Yeah. They How destroyed, convenient. They destroyed the proof to protect Pilar and the Lopez Fitzgerald family. What? I, and then what? Ju- Julian actually goes further and says, well, I, pers- I persuaded father to destroy the evidence to, prote- to protect Pilar. He's just like trying to paint himself as the hero of this story. And it's funny because we hear this story from a number of characters telling somebody else or, you know, confronting Julian about it. And every time he tries to, to be the hero, the victor, and Ivy multiple times is like, I did that. Yeah. Like, and she, and I assume we'll talk about that later, but it's, yeah, he really, really wants to make himself look good. And yeah, it's only making himself look worse. He looks so suspicious. You look sus as the kids would say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, he goes on to say, well, Pilar couldn't afford to lose her job. And all, so Julian goes on to say that, you know, money was a big issue for the Lopez Fitzgerald family because Martin had overextended himself by buying a house. Like, how does a household, and this goes to just like capitalism in general, a household with two fucking incomes can't afford to buy a house, like two grown people you and I can't afford to buy a house. Well, and, and let's look at the house. There's one thing to be said for living beyond your means, but this is a humble home. Yeah. This is not, you know, like this is what a two bathroom, three bedroom home. Yeah. And he, I don't know the way he talks about Martin overextended. Where are they supposed to live in a trailer? Where are they supposed to live? I don't like my, like my dad had to growing up. They had two incomes and my dad had like four siblings and they had to live in a trailer because they weren't making enough money to, to live. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And there's two adults in the home who work and then they have what? Two, three, four. How many kids do they have? Oh, well, I don't know. Cause we've heard of Paloma. I, 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 it's a total of five that we three know. Three boys and the two girls that we know. Yeah. 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 So whatever. I, I just, the way that Julian talked about, money in this situation really frustrated me and the way you talked about them martin overextended himself by feeding his children basically and giving them shelter uh, okay as if he was living extravagantly right was, pilar doesn't have a car yeah so they're obviously not living extravagantly yeah she's never been home to the old country that they haven't disclosed to us what what country that is but she hasn't been home to see her family and loved ones ever yeah. since, since moving to the united states so it's, these people are hardly living a flashy lifestyle especially compared to the cranes and the big mansion up on the hill right what that they don't work for you don't work i haven't seen julian do any work i saw him in a smoking jacket on the phone with his father does yeah. that work you don't fucking work uh, mm. he signs a couple documents Mm. so julian goes on to say martin the way martin provided for his family was by stealing and Luis still does not buy it he's not believing any of it but then julian tells Luis, ask pilar ask your mother 
she'll confirm that after Martin disappeared, we gave her a larger Christmas bonus every year that the bank that we own helped her out with your mortgage and all of these things and that they helped basically helped her financially. And in my opinion, this coming, this doesn't sound like your husband did something. And so we're going to help you out. It sounds like we are guilty and we are, we feel guilty. And so we're going to help you out a little bit or it's hush money. Yeah. Hush money, it looks, something. Yeah. It doesn't, it looks more suspicious than like than anything else. It definitely does not look philanthropic in any way to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And after Julian tells uh, Luis, ask your mother about all this. He says, you should be loving the cranes, Luis, not hating us. Mm-hmm. And all I have to say is yeah, fucking right. Mm. And he tells Luis to get out. He's like, I'm done with this conversation. Get the fuck out. And Luis leaves a little defeated. But we know this ain't over. No. Luis needs to go home and talk to his mama. That's what he needs to do. Because we need to get to the bottom of this. Luis is headed home to talk to mama. But let's now talk about Sheridan's morning. Yes. Let's talk about this. So Sheridan and Ethan are at her cottage. And they have spotted a police car outside the front door of the mansion. They've seen Luis pull up to the mansion to go in and talk to Julian, though they do not know why. <laughs> uh, and then they talk about, uh, about Sheridan. She, she's worried that Luis is actually there to arrest her. And Ethan has to remind her, you didn't commit a crime. You just had a nightmare. He can't arrest you for a nightmare. And uh, Sheridan makes the good point again. She's like, I can't believe for all these years... Julian let me believe I was a murderer instead of just telling me that it was a nightmare. It doesn't make sense. And how can I ever forgive him for this betrayal? Which, yeah. 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 If I, if I had a really bad dream and thought something awful happened, that I had done something terrible, committed a murder, hurt somebody. And my family knew it was just a nightmare and they just didn't tell me. They just let me think for 15 years that it happened. Yeah. I don't know how I would, I don't know how I would have a relationship with them after that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, crazy. So Pilar then knocks at the door and Ethan lets her into the cottage. And she says that she came to tell Sheridan that she spoke with Julian and asked him if there was anything that Sheridan should know about that night. And of course, nothing came of it. She was like, did he tell you anything? And she was like, nope, he said you had a bad dream. (laughs) Yeah. And Ethan then tells Pilar that Julian's story seems to check out. Uh, You know, there's no evidence. It seems like what he's telling her now is the truth. And Pilar says, oh, thank God. And she says, I only believed Sheridan's story because she seemed to be so convinced of it. To which Sheridan says, so you all think I'm mad? (laughs) Which they both vehemently deny. They're like, no, we don't think you're mad. We don't know. No, no, no. You're too beautiful to be mad. Of course not. You're not crazy. Pretty people don't lose their mind. Oh, Lord. So Ethan says to her, you know, everyone has nightmares. And Sheridan's like, not like this one. You don't understand. It it feels so real. And I wish I could believe that it was all a dream. But since Julian lied to me for all these years, why should I believe him now? And she goes, can anyone ever believe Julian? No, the answer is no. We already know the answer to that no, question. No, no, no one can believe Julian. No, he, he lies. Stop. You're a liar. Why are you always lying? Why are you always lying? Ooh, why are you lying? Ooh, you always lying. <laughs> <laughs> he always lying. He always, he's just a liar. So. Ethan and Pilar continue to try to convince Sheridan that she just had a bad dream and that hopefully now she can 
get on with her life and get over her guilt of feeling like she killed her mother, I guess. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole nother layer to this. Yeah. That they, the story basically is that Sheridan has these nightmares because of the guilt she has over her, the death of her mother. Which again, and we, I, I literally wrote that this is all recap. <laughs> I did not take any of these notes that you oh, took. okay. But, but I will say that we've already discussed that Sheridan did not kill her mother because they were trying to say that ever since giving birth, Sheridan's mother had been quite ill. Uh, and then they tried to say that she died in infancy, but Sheridan said, I was upset that my mother had recently died and maybe that's what brought on this nightmare. And Sheridan in the flashbacks that we were seeing is probably 10. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. 11 maybe even 12 yeah like she's she's a middle schooler okay (laughs) so like your mom didn't live for 12 years and then die of you know childbirth complications it doesn't work like that (laughs) so so i don't know what the fuck they're doing i don't know either because she's not an infant i don't know so (laughs) um yeah so they just polar says you know find true love find the love that you deserve blah 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 well sheridan's like you know what you know who i need to talk to julian so um, Sheridan and Ethan go over to the mansion to talk with Julian and they question, uh, why was Luis here? And uh, Julian tells them that Luis's hate for the cranes won't continue after what I told him. Basically, they're, they're like, he was here questioning me about something uh, personal. It's not any of your business, but his hate for the cranes will be finished after this, basically. Julian just keeps congratulating himself on things that he has not accomplished. <laughs> like, that's just the summary of his life. It's so- true <laughs> so true unearned confidence wow. he is the picture of unearned absolutely confidence. <laughs> this man Ugh. so sheridan at this point walks into the living room and says this room no longer holds fear for me she says that she feels better than she has in a long long time so i guess now that she has accepted it didn't happen and it was a nightmare well so she's overcome her the tragedy that she thinks I don't what is this what is this so I was confused by this because she moves further into the living room and looks around at that spot where she may or may not have killed someone and then the scene of that night appears with the candelabras and everything and then she seems a little shaken and then it just disappears and then she says all of that you know I feel better than I felt in a long time this room no longer holds any fear for me but my question was like is she faking that or does she really feel better? Like that's what I was confused about. I think that this mini kind of flashback was her dismissing her own demons. I think that's what we were meant to take away from that. Okay. Cause it wasn't a real flashback. Like we just got a little hint of that night, but then we didn't really see anything. And then we come back to the present. So I think that was her conquering her own demon. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll buy that. I, yeah, I was confused because I was like, maybe she's faking it so that Julian won't keep badgering her and mm. gaslighting her i mean that makes sense because too. she because she's also just decided that no julian's lying to me i don't i don't know i don't know i, don't I, I know. think i think it could be either one or neither or something else that we haven't thought of yep but then she turns to um julian because julian and, ha- and ethan are happy that she says that she's over it and they're like well maybe now your nightmares will stop and Sheridan turns to Julian and she says, you know, I'm still mad at you for not talking to me about that night. And she says, the only cranes that matter are the men, the ones who will take over the company. It's not, I don't matter. And that's why you didn't say anything to me, basically. Mm-hmm. And she goes on to say, I'm putting you on warning, Julian. Woo, yes. I love You're this. You're on notice, bitch. Yeah, I, I wrote, 
Sheridan puts Julian on notice for being a misogynistic asshole to the point that he didn't deem it worthwhile to tell her what actually happened. And she demands her seat at the table mm-hmm. and bounces. Mm-hmm. She says, I am no longer the sweet, docile Sheridan who once feared she had a terrible secret in her past. Ooh, from now on, you and father are going to have to deal with my demands on this family. All right, Sheridan. And they leave. She and yeah. Ethan leave. Ethan's just standing back there smiling like a dope, like, hoo, hoo, hoo. That's my girl. That's like, my lovely. That's the, the woman I love. The supportive husband. Yeah. There's the woman I love. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Sheridan and Ethan talk a little bit, and she has decided to stay in harmony. That And Ethan is happy about that, of course. That's mm-hmm. a little conversation they have. Yeah. She, again, reiterates that, that how mad she is that Julian thought it was better for her. It's better for me to think that I'm a murderer than for people to think that I'm a lunatic. Mm -hmm. But after that conversation, something else keeps bugging her. She's like, what was all that shit about past history with Luis? And it's really stuck with her that Julian was talking to Luis about something that he wouldn't tell her about. He's Mm -hmm. like, "It's, it's private. And so Sheridan's like, I think I should go check on Polar. Uh, In the middle of this very quickly, Gwen calls and talks to Ethan. Yeah, I love that Gwen knows that Ethan's going to be with Sheridan, so she just calls Sheridan. It's like, <laughs> hey, is my fiance or is my boyfriend there? I forgot they're not engaged. And uh, she needs to call and cancel her date for that night because she's so tired from shopping. From clothes shopping. She's so tired. She's so tired. Oh, been shop- She shopped till she dropped. She actually did it. <laughs> they always tell you to do it. Yeah. But so. she actually did it. So she uh, needs to take the night off to recover from her shopping from excursion. Her shopping. And Ethan's like, well, that's fine. I could be a carefree bachelor for the evening. I'm going to go read. Read a good book. And he can't find a good book in Sheridan's cottage. So he decides to go into town to... To find, find a, a book. good book. Y'all have a full fucking library at the mansion. I've seen it. I've has seen Julian's re- library. And there's no way he's read all of those books. Also, you can reread a book. I've done it. You Exactly. You can. I wouldn't, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> but you can. He, y- y- y'all have a full fucking library, but you're going to go to the book cafe to <laughs> get a book? What do you think they have there that you don't have at home already? Teresa. Teresa. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. We'll he's get going, to that. He's going to the book cafe because he wants to go see young lady he doesn't even know but he we're about to get into that in a little bit all right so let's talk about Luis. so sheridan's gonna head over to the lopez fitzgerald home to check on pilar so let's go over to the lopez fitzgerald home and see what's going on over there yeah well Luis has gotten home and sees pilar and tells her that he just came from the crane mansion where he was talking with julian and he, his opening line is, Mama, Julian Crane said my father is a thief. <laughs> <laughs> and so Pilar defends her husband. She insists, Martin was a good man. He was not a thief. She says, quote, there is not a man alive who is more honest than my Martin, end quote. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just so sweet. I wrote that quote down as well because it was sweet. And, and Luis counters with, quote and there's no bigger liar than julian crane and yep. quote I put that one down too. <laughs> it's so good i wrote exactly that actually yeah it is so good because there is no bigger liar than julian crane and yes good good we're on the we're on the right track we think it Louis- devolves from oh there god louise says you know i'm ashamed i'm ashamed that i even let julian spout all that nonsense should have decked him right then and there you know i'm gonna prove julian wrong because one day i'm gonna find my papa yeah, and then they have this conversation about the Cranes helping them out monetarily and how Louise hates feeling obligated to them. And he also hates that Julian Crane thinks his father is a thief and once again vows to find his father no matter what it takes, no matter how long. 
Then the phone rings. Uh-oh. This is the turn. Uh-oh. <laughs> then comes the fucking turn. Did you see the twist? <laughs> oh, my God. Because here comes the twist. Who, who, who's calling up on the phone, Latara? It's the Harmony PD. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that APB that Luis had put out on Martin and his social security number turned up someone working under Martin's social security number in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe. Everyone wants to go to Santa Fe. My so friend. Pilar, he, he gets off the phone with the whoever's on the phone. I don't know. Police officer. And he turns to Pilar and he says, you know, someone's working under his social security number in New Mexico. And she goes, Martin always wanted to retire in New Mexico. Everybody wants to go to Santa Fe. <laughs> and when I saw when I heard when I saw that I was like, yes, I thought of Newsies first. Yeah. And I also thought of um Rent, because there's a great song called Santa Fe and Rent, where they want to get the fuck out of New York City. Everyone wants to get the fuck out of New York City and go, and to, go Santa to Santa Fe. Fe. And I don't know why. I've never been, so I feel like I should go. Okay. To New Mexico. I bet it's hot. My friend used to live in New Mexico, but she was out in the middle of nowhere. I want to go to Santa Fe. Do you know the way to Santa Fe? <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, it's just totally newsy. Santa Fe, my old friend. Yeah. Yeah. Santa Fe. I, now I'm like, third time's a charm. Now I have to go to Santa Fe. There must be something nice there. Dear listeners, do we have any people who are in Santa Fe? Yeah. Please write into us and tell us why we should go to Santa Fe. Yeah. You know what? Maybe if we ever come out of quarantine and have enough listeners that we go on like a to like do a live tour or something. And <laughs> we'll stop. We'll stop in Santa Fe. <laughs> we'll stop for our live tour in Santa Fe yeah. for our two listeners in Santa yeah. Fe. Yeah. Well, no, you never know. <laughs> Gotta dream big. Hilarious. You gotta dream big, Latara. Come on. I, I, okay. I was dreaming big. Two listeners in Santa Fe. <laughs> Do we have two listeners in Santa exactly. Fe? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that we might not have any right now. We so. might not. That's two true. is dreaming big. All right. That's enough about <laughs> Santa Fe. All right. So Pilar then goes to light a candle for Martin and she says she knows he never stole anything. And Luis then turns to her and says, you've got to face it, Mama. If Papa is a- alive and well and living in New Mexico, then Julian Crane is right. My father is a thief. And then he blows out the candles that Pilar lit for her husband and her son. The fucking audacity. Also, just because someone's social security number is being used yeah, doesn't know. mean that it's him. Yeah, we and, know. And I think Pilar makes that point at, at somewhere in this entire argument. But why, why just jump to the conclusion that Julian Crane is right? Why would you go out of Luis again? He's really out of control of his emotions. He's not, he's not the most stable when it comes to that. And he just goes unchecked and flies into this fucking rage. Mm-hmm. And I understand he's upset, but like he needs to go to therapy and deal with what he's going through. Oh, absolutely. He, he then tells Pilar, he doesn't deserve your devotion. He's a thief. Uh, and he says, I, you know, I wanted to believe that, um, Papa was a good man, but how can I when a man with his social security number is alive and well living in New Mexico? Uh, you know, Luis now just flat out believes Julian's whole fucking story. Without actually investigating the anything. information that they have come. Anything. That they have come to, yeah. So Pilar continues to insist Martin is a good man. He would have never left if it wasn't absolutely necessary. At which point Teresa comes in. And hears that Luis has found Papa living in New Mexico. She's thrilled. Elated. Over the moon. Has no... This reaction was crazy. She might be crazier than I thought she was. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought when I saw this. I was like, I love a lunatic might not be so lovably 
a lunatic because and also it just gave i just love this actress because she i I didn't think she could go bigger than what we'd already seen but she did it lindsey hartman i think it's her name or hartley Hartley. she's great yeah she yes she's fantastic actually you know i've been meaning to make this point the actor who plays louise and the actress who plays um Teresa, they also play brother and sister on Days of Our Lives. And I forgot all about that little stint. But she played Ariana on Days of Our Lives, Rafe's sister. And Rafe's like a big character on Days of Our Lives now. Is he Rafe? He plays Rafe. Oh, yeah, okay. the, he plays Rafe. And um, yeah, they were brother and sister on that show. Wow. And I, it, yeah, I remember watching it. And when she showed up, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. I didn't know any of that. They're back together again. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So. But didn't one of the writers write for days? Isn't that what our, mm-hmm. our historian said to us? So maybe he recruited oh, all of the writers. Like, oh yeah, he like recruited everybody. Yeah, so maybe they were they remembered. Did they were they working on days before Passions? Who the actors? No. Oh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe so. I guess Days of Our Lives really liked what they did in Passions, and then brought yeah. them onto their show. Also, often in in soap operas I mean soap actors soap acting is a very specific kind of job mm. and so like if you work in soaps a lot of times you get moved around to different soaps you yeah know, and to do different characters and in different places because I remember um who was it was it Lisa Renna Lisa Renna used to be on Days of Our Lives but she also used to be on something else oh and the girl who played Belle moved from Days of Our Lives to All My Children I think oh okay. right, and so like they move around yeah. to different shows and then you'll be watching a show and you're like oh shit it's Belle or oh shit it's fucking Billy you know yeah. it's like what, is, what the fuck are you doing over here on General Hospital well I mean that's the thing like you were saying it's such a specific job I mean these actors who who has an acting job that lasts years and you go in like five days a week decades you, for decades yeah and yeah. and you have to memorize those lines so quickly that turnaround is so fast yeah it's, it's, it's a, a special it's a, job it is it's like a specific mm-hmm. type so yeah. it makes sense that if you can do it well people are going to want to keep using you yeah all right so back to Teresa. sorry <laughs> no, <laughs> no, a little, I, I went a little tangent um back to Teresa, who is manic I mean, she's just like yeah. thrilled and just kind of losing it. You found Papa alive? Oh my gosh. And then Pilar and Louise tried to calm her down saying, you know, it might not be him. And she says, you know, why aren't you more excited? Bitch, why are you so excited? That's, <laughs> this is terrible news. This means your father, like, it means your father just abandoned you and didn't come back. If he's really alive in New Mexico, working on the, that is basically what happened now were there probably extenuating circumstances around it did he just leave probably not but the the base the base facts that we have are that he was here one day then he was gone and has been gone for years but imagine if you were a young child and your father and older brother just suddenly went missing you didn't hear from them for years you presumed the worst that they were dead and then you found out that they're not dead they're he's alive you know, I don't think your first reaction would be, I think your first reaction would be what Teresa is thinking, that, that feeling so good. Oh my God, I thought that this person was dead and they're alive. Mm. They're out in the world and I can see my father again. Yeah, you know, like, right. I don't think your first reaction would be like, what the fuck? He abandoned me. Mine would definitely be like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> no, mine would be like, I, but I'm thinking about my own relationship with my own father. What the, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> you kidding me, Randall? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Randall's day. Randall's decade out. (laughs) (laughs) No, my father would never abandon his family for a little money. (laughs) Like Martin. Martin. I was about to say Martin Crane. (laughs) 
one best Frasier. <laughs> oh, Martin Crane. Everything's getting so like jumbled in yeah. our brains. Anyway, so Teresa's really excited, but they try to calm her down and say, you know, it might not be him. And she asks them why they aren't more excited. And Luis then tells Teresa the whole story. She says he de- she deserves to know the kind of man our father really is. And so he tells Teresa this whole story. And then Teresa is devastated by this news, not for the reason you think, not for the reason that Luis is upset about it, that her dad, you know, my dad's just a a thief and a liar. No, because she thinks Ethan's going to hate her. (laughs) Yeah. She goes, she's like, Papa was a thief. Ethan's going to hate me now that he knows that my father stole money from his family. What? Girl, what? What the fuck? I love her. I love the way her twisted mind works. It's pretty incredible. But yeah, so this this little family meeting has not gone well. Everyone's in tears. Luis calls Martin a coward. Pilar and Teresa kind of defend him. It's not, it's it's just sad. Yeah. It's just sad. So Luis, I think, needs to go outside and be angry and get some of his feelings out. So he's like, I'm going to go chop wood. I'm like, all right, this is just an excuse to get him shirtless. Yeah, I Let's love Let's be that. honest. He goes out and chops wood and has a little flashback about, of his father chastising him for stealing a candy bar. And mm. he says to him, you know, thou shall not steal. Mm-hmm. It's one of the commandments, and it's really important. Remember that always. So, you know, this really, Luis has that flashback. He comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, right. Huh. It's like, no, Luis, hang on to that memory that's that, r- that shows that your father is not a thief and was teaching you to be a good person. That's really rich coming from a thief like him, oh. you know. Inside, Pilar and Teresa talk, and Teresa again says, you know, Ethan will hate me when he finds out that Papa stole money from his family. And Pilar's like, Teresa, get a fucking grip. Ooh, Come on, girl. This was so great, because Teresa's like, I'll die if I, lo- if I ever lost Ethan. And Pilar goes, she finally uses at least like a forceful tone with Teresa, and she's like, stop talking all this nonsense. Ethan is not going to marry you. <laughs> And she, but then she kind of goes back to her regular, soft, normal, motherly voice. And she says, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but you have to stop dreaming all these impossible dreams. To dream the The impossible impossible dream. She's got to stop dreaming those impossible dreams. Yeah. And I just have to say, poor Pilar. Yeah. Oh my God. Her baddie children. They're all, they're all nuts. No, oh, I wrote that. Okay. They're all nuts. I wrote that somewhere, and I don't know where. Because it was. Luis Pilar like relights her candles. Teresa goes out to get some air. She's you know she's got to calm herself down, and uh, I guess Pilar. Um, no, no. And then Luis comes in, finds the candles lit, and starts like smashing them in the fireplace against the wall. Yeah. But well, what? These, like, well, before that though, because all of her kids are fucked up. Unfortunately, yeah. I, Miguel's like the most normal one, and he's chasing around this bitch with amnesia. <laughs> You know, so at least he's not. Well, yeah. No. Well, and, and also Miguel also does a couple of little things in this episode that I was like, oh, Miguel, really? Mm. We'll get to it. Maybe. I don't know. Who cares about those kids? Anyway. <laughs> no, we care about the kids. <laughs> we care. So they go. Pilar and Teresa go into the living room to relight the candles because remember, Luis blew them out because he's an asshole. And Teresa asks Pilar if she believes that Papa will come back someday. And Pilar says, yeah, I will never give up believing in your father. To which Teresa says, then why can't I keep my dream of being with Ethan? 
girl, she is so manipulative. Mm. This was so manipulative. Mm. Girl, there's a huge difference between me holding out hope for my husband, who I had at least five children with. And a full life. And you holding out hope for a man who is in love with somebody else and is does not even really know you exist, which, but yeah, there's a big difference between mm-hmm. your little crush on Ethan and my me holding out hope for my fucking husband yeah, right. that I had five children with. Right, right. Um, and Pilar says, you know, don't get so upset over nothing. And Teresa's crazy switch flips. <laughs> She's like, nothing. Giving up the dream of a lifetime is nothing. And then she <laughs> goes outside to get some air. She's like going to go into town where, of course, she will run into Ethan. Of course. Of course. We already know that's coming. So Pilar in this moment, poor Pilar. She's there looking her, looking at her candles. She's like kind of teary eyed. She's bemoaning the fall of her fucking family because they are falling to pieces. The Lopez Fitzgeralds are falling to pieces. She has such ungrateful children. And Louise comes in and once again puts out the candles and then throws the candle across the room. Throws Martin's candle across the room. It smashes everything Mm -hmm. everywhere. Pilar comes in and is very upset, which of course she is. And Louise is like, I'm sorry, mama, but he's not coming back ever. And then he leaves and Pilar is there cleaning up the, left to clean up the mess. Mm. You know, I'm not loving this side of Louise. Pilar is always left to clean up the mess. Yep. She's constantly, she's the housekeeper of passions. Just like (laughs) cleaning up everybody's fucking mess. You know, we've been seeing like at the very beginning of the show, like up through like episode 50 or so, I was liking Louise. And then this back half of season one, I've been feeling completely the opposite way. Like we've been seeing a lot of really nasty things come out of his mouth we've been seeing some really shitty behavior yeah like i just they've got to, sheridan and louise have kind of swapped yeah yeah first we saw about like a really lame side of sheridan and 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 now she's getting pretty cool and louise we saw a really nice empathetic smart guy and now we're just seeing some, like anger just a lot yeah. of rage and yeah. carelessness yeah, so and mean. He's just being he, mean. I'm not loving it. He's being he's being mean and hurtful. He's hurt, and it's that like old dumb saying of you know hurt people hurt people, and I hate that saying. I hate it so much because it's like if you're hurt and someone has hurt you, then you should know better than to turn around and hurt someone else. You know. Yeah, but a lot of people don't learn that lesson. They're not emotionally intelligent enough to handle that their feelings. Like, I mean, that's that's a child's reaction. When a child is being hurt, then they turn around and hurt people because they their brain isn't done cooking and they don't know how to handle it. But unfortunately, what happens with a lot of adults, especially in the patriarchy, is they don't learn how to handle their emotions and how to find healthy ways to cope and manage themselves. Mm, yeah. So hurt people hurt people. Like, I get that. I get what they're saying, but I... I it doesn't do enough. Yeah. It doesn't go far enough. Like, where's the actionable part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the accountability. Mm-hmm. Where's the fucking accountability? All right. Going on. So, Luis leaves, Luis leaves Pilar to clean up his fucking mess. And while she's there cleaning up the mess, crying over this candle, Sheridan comes for a visit. She shows up. Pilar goes to answer the door. And it's, it's Sheridan. And she comes in and she says she came to check on Pilar because she was talking to Julian and he said something about settling the past history with Louise. And um, so she just thought that might mean trouble for you. You know, that might mean trouble for you, Pilar. And Pilar tells her, you know, don't be too concerned with me. That's, it's very nice for you to come over here, but please don't be concerned with me. And 
then Sheridan notices the candle and she asks, you know, is everything okay? And Pilar says, no, everything is not okay, but now isn't a good time to discuss it. And she says, you know, I'm really tired. Can I please see you out? I need some time alone. And Sheridan's like, you don't, don't worry about that. Go home. I mean, go to bed. I'll see myself out. And so Pilar leaves. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, y'all, everybody just needs to leave Pilar alone. Mm. Leave this woman alone. She wants to be left alone. Leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. She leave mama alone. She needs some time to process. She, she's like having she, a, she, again, she's like the housekeeper of harmony and she needs some, some, she needs some her time. She has the weight of everyone's world on her shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, poor Pilar. I feel, mm-hmm. so, I really, oh, I felt so bad for her in these scenes. Mm-hmm. She was She's like taking a beating left yeah, and right. She really was. So Pilar goes to lay down and Sheridan decides to clean up the mess that Luis left there. Mm-hmm. And then Luis saunters in wearing nothing but a towel around his waist. Just, chest just glistening. <laughs> just, mm, I said, okay. So he walks and he's like, what are you doing here? And so she quickly starts to clean up. She's like, I'm just cleaning up this mess and I'm going to leave. I stopped by to check on Pilar. And then Luis stops her and says, you know, I may have been wrong about your family and you. And she's like, excuse me? Did I hear you correctly? What is that that you said? And I wrote in my notes, I was like, is he buttering her up for information or is he serious? Like, what is this? He was serious. He was serious because he, unfortunately, he, he gets dressed and then comes back into the scene. And uh, <laughs> he, unfortunately, <laughs> he unfortunately gets dressed. Unfortunately, he puts a shirt on and uh, <laughs> comes back to talk with Sheridan about what's been going on. And Luis admits... I might have been wrong about you. And he tells her a little bit about Martin and the emotional toll that his absence took on the family. Tells her that he's always blamed Alistair for the disappearance, but that maybe, just maybe, Officer Lopez Fitzgerald had it wrong all these years. Mm-hmm. And he now tells Sheridan the story we have heard, I don't know, six or seven times so on this many episode. Times. It's this episode was just everybody repeating the story about Martin. They really want to make sure that you know the Martin story. Do you know the Martin story, the Martin story, the Martin story? Do, Do you know the Martin story? story? He lives on sh- Railroad Drive. Don't they, yeah, they live on live, Railroad they Street? They do live on oh, Railroad shit. Street. Or Avenue I, or something like I that. I forgot they live on Railroad Street. I was about to say Street. Drury Lane. I was like, no, we know what it is. They literally live on other the other side, side of the, of the tracks. tracks. That's why that's the only reason I could remember it. Awesome. <laughs> literally the other side of the tracks. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, he recounts the Martin story again. And they talk about, like, their respective childhoods a little bit. Louise kind of spills his guts to Sheridan and says, you know, if your brother is right, I owe you a big apology. And now we're seeing a side of Louise that I like. Yeah, absolutely. Really open, uh, honest. Sheridan is empathetic. They're getting along. They're having, like, a really nice, a real moment. They really are. They, both of these characters have finally dropped their guard and are really connecting in a way that they haven't with anybody yet, let alone with each other. This was a great, here's a great moment that happened. She says, you know, now I know why you hated me from the first moment you saw me. And Louise says, yeah, but that wasn't right. It's not okay to judge someone on the basis of their, solely on the basis of their last name. You know, this is some real growth for Louise. This is a good moment for him. In the span of 30 seconds. So honestly, even if it took him believing Julian's story, I don't think he could go back to where he was. 
in you know what yeah, I mean? Because he, he finally has at least made the connection that I can't judge Sheridan based on something that someone else in her family may have done, mm-hmm. even though it might have been Sheridan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a whole other part of this yeah. story. But so he, you know, he says, I, you know, it was wrong of me to judge you. And that was just prejudice. He's like, prejudice is prejudice, period. Mm hmm. Okay, Luis. Yeah. Okay, Luis. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think he can go back to hating Sheridan the way he did before. Let's hope I think that we're well past that. Let's now. hope that we've seen the, the worst of Luis. I'm sure that we haven't because we're I, only in season one, but uh, I don't know that we've seen the worst. We are definitely on an upswing with these two, which, yeah. which I really, I really like. I loved it's it. Good. I loved it. And then Sheridan, Sheridan goes, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. And she finally admits some fault of her own. Yeah, right? she's like, I did hit both of your two of your police cars. I hit you with that bottle, not to mention the pie to the face. This is some real growth for both of these yeah, she's people. Like, I was pretty awful to you. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I loved this scene. Yes, I, I really liked it. So they end on good terms. Yeah, he apologizes to her again, and yeah. then they like stare into each other's eyes for a little bit while the guitar riff goes. Yeah, I think she's gonna leave Ethan for him. <laughs> Poor Ethan. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know he's got three women in his, love with him. <laughs> his dream, his dreams are all falling apart. He doesn't even know. Falling to pieces. Yeah. So Sheridan leaves. And when she leaves, she says to herself, you know, there's something about my brother's story that just doesn't make sense. I got to find out what it is. Yes, so she heads do. home. Yes, you do, Sheridan. So now that Sheridan has left, Pilar comes into the living room to chat a little bit with Luis. And she says, look. No matter what anyone says, your father is a good man. He would never run out on this family. And you need to get it through your thick skull that you are not going to convince me otherwise. Like, I need you to get on board with with where I am. You get Mm -hmm. on my boat. I'm not getting on yours. And Luis apologizes for his earlier behavior. This little talk with Sheridan seems to have done wonders for Luis. And, um... Pilar defends Martin again. She says, look, you don't know for certain about him. Julian Crane could be wrong or worse. He could be outright lying. You Mm -hmm. don't know. We don't know the real information. We have no facts. Absolutely. And then Miguel comes in and Luis tells him the news about Martin. Oh my God. It just was endless. We hear the story again. Endless. (laughs) And, uh, you know, all of this talk is really breaking Pilar's heart. She hates hearing the story. Every time she hears it, she's like, this is some fucking bullshit. I hate it. Mm. And this is not what happened. And she, I mean, she's really devastated by this. But anyway, Luis tells Miguel everything. And finally, Luis says he's going to call the authorities in New Mexico and have whoever is using Martin's social security number arrested. And Pilar pleads with Luis not to do this, but it's no use, I don't think. I don't see why not. Yeah, me too. I mean, maybe don't have them arrested, but like call the authorities. We've had a missing person. We've had a hit on the social security number. Like I'm going to fly out and meet you, but I need you to do a little investigating before I get there. Yeah. I mean, like that seems like maybe not have him arrested, but like everything else makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I have them check him out. They'll talk to him, interview him. Maybe unless Pilar knows something and doesn't want Luis to go out there. I've been saying Pilar, Pilar knows more than she's letting on. Uh huh. I, I I think I don't know. So, but Luis is determined, and he says one way or another, I'm gonna find out what happened with Papa and the cranes. Yep. So the next morning, we find Pilar sitting at the kitchen table where she has stayed up all night. Mm. Luis enters the kitchen and says, um, and she says, "Please tell me you've come to your senses and you've given up on tracking your father in New Mexico and having him arrested." 
And also Hank and Miguel are in the kitchen. Yeah, I, I wrote, why are Miguel and Hank hanging out? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's he's friends, best friends with like Miguel's older brother. So like, yeah, I get why Miguel is there in the kitchen. Why is Hank there in the kitchen before Luis is even in the kitchen? Why is Hank there? Like, well, I guess he was hanging out with Miguel. I don't really know. It was weird. It was so weird. It was weird. Why are they all in the kitchen? Like, what's happening? So then Luis and Pilar go back and forth and back and forth about Martin. Your father was an honest man. And then Luis, he walked out on you. And Pilar, you know, I will not listen to you try to take away the one thing I have left because I had a wonderful marriage. And he's like, oh, a wonderful marriage. He really, he, he walked out on you and abandoned your children. Blah, blah, blah. They go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I actually really liked what Pilar said, though. She said, quote, I cherish each and every day that we had together. She says that love sustained her all these years without martin and she tells louise to back off she says uh that she that she like carried all of their children in love like she was just talking so much about like the love that martin had for the family the Mm -hmm. love that they that they had together the love that like sustained their family even with him gone like she goes into this really beautiful speech about it yeah she talks about faith and trust and love and all of those things yeah and that those are are the things that are have been holding their family together Mm -hmm. uh but louis says he doesn't see any other way other than having him arrested and then miguel steps in Miguel screams, actually. I've never seen, like, so much from Miguel. He's like, you can't arrest our own father. You don't even know he's guilty. Yeah. He had a little fire in his belly. That one. Mm Mm-hmm. And Luis goes on this thing. Well, everybody has to play by the same rules. Just because I'm a police officer and he's my father doesn't mean that he has, like, his own set of laws that he needs to abide by. Like, I have to do what anybody else would do. Yeah. And then Hank, of all people, had the best moment in all of this, in my opinion. Yes. Where he back, he backs up Pilar and tries to talk some sense into Luis. And he, ba- he basically says all the same things Pilar has been saying. And then, but he's not getting through to Luis. And Hank finally says... You've never trusted Julian Crane as far as you can throw him. And suddenly you're taking his word over your mother's mm-hmm. and he leaves in disgust. Mm-hmm. He's, and You know, he's got a great point. He was disgusted by this display from Louise. Mm-hmm. And I was too. He's yeah. got a great point. Why are you believing Julian Crane over your own mom? Yeah. Well, and let's look, remember, Hank has like the perspective from an actual criminal because he's yeah. on like the most wanted database. <laughs> yeah. So he's like a, he's a problem, but Hank makes a lot of good points. He's like, you don't know if he's guilty. You don't know what's going on with the, with the social security number. And on top of it, you're basing your belief entirely off of what Julian Crane told you. And all of a sudden his word carries more weight than your mother. Like, let's be reasonable. Let's think our way through this. Yeah. Like the criminal mind in the group is the only one who can like parse out truth from, from lies. Hank finally had a good moment and I was like, oh, that's why he's there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after more back and forth with his family, Luis heads out to the youth center. He's like, I, I, I gotta go. I'm going to the youth center. All right. So now let's go over to the crane mansion and talk about what's going on with Julian and Sheridan and, Ivy over here, these these rich bastards. It's just a big old pile of mess. It's such a mess. We've got it's like such a, a, mess. a mess salad going so, on. So let's start with Julian. At this point, we're going to talk about Julian just after he has talked with Luis and after Sheridan came in to question him about why he was talking in, talking to Luis. And he is once again on speakerphone with Alistair <laughs> in the fucking living room. And he tells Al, tells good old Al. Big Daddy know, Crane. Yeah. He says, I handled Luis. And uh, he tells him that Luis was horrified to learn that his father was a common thief. And Alistair says, well, Martin was a man who lived by the Ten Commandments. And I'm sure that his son is like his father. And Julian says, yes, 
thou shalt not steal means something to the working class. Fools. And then they laugh. And then they laugh like the villains they are. <laughs> they laugh like cartoon villains. So you know that they are up to something. This is horrible. So Julian moves himself to the study to congratulate himself. He opens up a nice bottle of port. Apparently it's a Crane Victory Port. It's a special glass of wine bottle of wine that they only open when they've had a victory to celebrate yeah and he's congratulating himself for taking care of two old irritating problems he's like i've taken care of these two pro- you have done nothing but made the problems worse for yourself he's such an idiot <laughs> he's such a clown this and idiot ivy comes in she's like what are you what are you celebrating isn't that the special victory wine yeah <laughs> like do you have a victory wine latara do you have a victory drink you like to make yourself all wines are victory wines <laughs> whatever mood I'm in, that's what it is. Yeah. It's a victory wine. It's a defeat wine. Either way, <laughs> it's wine. I got it open. It's a victory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tear up the cork as, as I was trying to get it out. Or my hand with that shitty wine key I have. Yep. It, it's a, it's a victory. <laughs> All so, right. So Ivy rolls into the study and she's looking so good. This yeah. dress. They randomly put her into like a gala oh gown. Oh my god, because, she looks great. Because apparently she was gone to some kind of fundraising gala. Uh, whatever. I, I wow. They, the, Ivy Crane. They only wrote that in so that she could wear that fucking gown. I hope she insisted on it. She looked great though. I hope she insisted that they do that because she looked wow, a yeah. whole damn meal that girl. She looks so good. Yeah, and so then he tells Ivy about what he told Luis about helping Pilar out with money after Martin's disappearance. But he def- he conveniently, conveniently leaves out the part where he told him that his father embezzled money. He kept that from her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then Ivy says, uh, excuse me, giving Pilar those bonuses and uh, helping her out with her mortgage were all my ideas. I had to force you. Why are you trying to make it seem like it was you? What are you trying to cover up? Mm-hmm. And then randomly, Julian attempts once again to seduce Ivy. Yeah, like, please, please stop trying to put the moves on this woman. I just, my heart can't take it. And at first she's like not interested, but then she seems to falter. And I'm like, stay strong, Ivy. Don't do it. Don't do it, girl. Yeah, Julian starts saying, oh, you know, you look so good. No one would ever know that you're a mother of four. In fact, you've never looked better. Mm. Come on, Ivy. I know what's under that icy exterior. Just as I know what's underneath that dress. It's gross. Well, luckily for all, luckily for all who had to watch this shit, Sheridan interrupts. Oh, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> and she says she wants to know exactly what he said to Louise. And then she tells the whole fucking Martin story again. This is, this is the second time in the scene we've heard the Martin story because Ivy also recapped it with Julian. We've heard so much. We've heard Martin so much. We've heard, I can't wait to meet him. And do you in, know the Martin story? The, the Martin, Martin story. Yes, the Martin, yes, yes, we fucking yes, know it. I know the Martin story. Oh my god, I got it. Well, but he uh, lives in Santa Fe. Santa Fe. <laughs> so, yes, Sheridan tells this Martin story again, but now with the added embezzlement part of it, mm. you know, Ivy had not heard that part, and she goes, "This is the first time hearing of any of this," mm-hmm. and. Sheridan then says, so you're trying to tell me that father covered up a crime against Crane Industries and helped Pilar out all out of the goodness of his heart? And she knows her family and her father well enough to know that that is some fucking BS. She was like, you had me. You had me with this story up until the point 
where y'all helped out Pilar just because? That's some bullshit. And Julian tries to turn the tables on Sheridan and, you know, calling her crazy and all this. But she, she is relentless and it's amazing. She says, we both know Alistair has never forgiven anyone for anything. So... I suspect that you have made up an elaborate story to cover something up and she is determined to get down to the bottom of things. Yep. She says you made up an elaborate story and you wouldn't have unless you were trying to cover something up. There's not a compassionate bone in your body. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, I almost believed you up until that part about father's compassion and forgiveness. <laughs> and Ivy's like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Ivy backs her up. She's like, yeah, he, I, I suspect that if that really happened, um, if somebody stole from, Alistair, he'd have them hanging in the town square. We'd have a public hanging. Oof. I, you know, and I love when Ivy and Sheridan join forces because, frankly, Julian is only a match for one of those women after he's beat them down. Yeah. So when when both of them are, like, in their full force and, like, not taking his shit, like, he can't. He you can't, can forget it. He can't yeah. hold a candle to these two. And it shows because he finally is just, like, does the man thing where it's like, leave it alone. And both of you bitches need to shut up. <laughs> basically. He doesn't say that, but that's basically what he does. That's exactly what he does. And then he tells them to leave. They refuse. And so he storms out. Yep. He's like, father does not want this disgust. I need you both to just leave it alone. Drop it. I'm warning you. Okay. But there is, that makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. That makes it even worse. You look so suspicious. You look sus, bruh. You look sus. I, I sound cool. Sus like the, AF. Do I sound like a, do I sound like a cool kid? No, you look sus, bruh. Real sus. <laughs> well, the fat, the, the little like head <laughs> tilt that you're doing and the little like arm swing, like the, hey, no. <laughs> hey, you look sus, brah. Hey, she, hey. Okay. Yeah, you're like doing that, but with like, I don't know. I, if, if this was a visual medium, it would be easier. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so the next morning, Ivy enters Sheridan's cottage and asks the question we've all been thinking. Why are you sleeping out here instead of in your bedroom, Sheridan? <laughs> Why are you on the couch again? Why don't we ever have an interior shot of your bedroom? But at least we know she has a bedroom now. Yeah, the writers trolled themselves. <laughs> Actually, they trolled their own character because they knew. They're like, we're yeah. never going to get a shot. We don't have the budget for this. So <laughs> we might as well like just... Explain why she's always sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I just nodded off. I was so tired. I, I must have just fallen asleep on the couch. Yeah. But when Ivy enters, she sees that Sheridan seems to be having a bad dream. And she asks her about it once she wakes up. She says, were you having your nightmare again? The same one you always have about that night? And she says, I thought you were feeling better about all of that. And Sheridan says, I thought I was too, but it really all seemed too real to have been a dream. And Ivy says, well, do you really believe that you killed someone? And Sheridan says, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore. Julian was so convincing, but isn't he always when he wants to get his way? Mm, mm. Very true. Mm -hmm. And so then they both start to question Julian's story about Martin. And they talk about how he reacted to them questioning him about it, which it was an explosive reaction. And it was suspicious. Yeah. And Sheridan's like, you know what? The answers are too convenient. And I was like, I agree. And there's no way that... Alistair would show mercy to anybody like this. It doesn't, it doesn't align with the things that we know about, yeah. about these men. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Ivy says, Alistair doesn't forgive the smallest slight. So then they wonder why Julian came up with such a pathetic lie. And, and it's a bad lie. Mm -hmm. And then Ivy recalls the day that Pilar told her about Martin's disappearance. And Sheridan's like, I don't remember any of this. Like, why don't I remember any of this? And I was like, oh, well, if I recall, you were sent off to France the very morning of Martin's disappearance and told not to talk about it 
or ask questions. So Sheridan has finally put together that these two incidents are connected. We've got a related thread here. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what if the body under the sheet was Martin? What if I killed Pilar's husband? Oh. And Ivy tries to get her to see, like, that's ridiculous. There's no way you killed Martin. Why would you kill Martin? It's just a coincidence. Like, this, can't, these two things are completely unrelated. There couldn't be more distance between them. But Sheridan's like, I have to find Ethan and get his opinion. Yeah, she got to find out, find out from her boyfriend what he thinks. <laughs> well, he does have that... Oh shit! What did Alex sharp say? legal mind? That sharp legal mind. Oh, what a, <laughs> this dullard. The men in this family. Oh my gosh! Well, there's a reason the men in the family have all the power because of their sharp legal minds. So silly. <laughs> so ridiculous. If anything, Ethan is dull. He's anything but sharp. Oh no! <laughs> He's anything but sharp. You could no. Ethan is. A, He's as dull Ethan. as a spoon. It's like trying to cut somebody with a spoon. I kind of love. This might sound a little mean, but I kind of love acting for soap operas. I'm not trying to say it's easy, but some of these people make it look really easy because they're such good actors. And Mm -hmm. I know that they're strapped with time, so they're memorizing so quickly. But I love when you can see poor Ethan trying to remember his line, like struggling to get it out because it just fits the character so well. It's so perfect. And I know it's a little bit mean, but it's so funny. I love it. We can cut this part. We can leave it a cut. I love it. I just think it like adds, adds to his character so well. Hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. So Sheridan and Ivy decide to go to the mansion to talk to Ethan and Gwen. And so Sheridan goes to the mansion to talk to Ethan, but then she and Ivy just have the same conversation they just had in the cottage, but now in the living room. Yep. Uh, Okay. And then Sheridan also wonders about the social security number. Is it Martin? Is it somebody else using his identity? Yeah. Like they, yeah. Same thing. And then Ethan and Gwen come in happy as happy, happy as can be. And they tell Sheridan, you know, we're going, uh, going away to the cabin for a few days. And, they're very excited. We'll get into that too Ooh. later. But they're very excited to be going away for a few days. And um, Gwen asks Sheridan how she's doing. And Sheridan lies and says, you know, I couldn't be better. And she just didn't want to harsh their their vibe. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so Sheridan, they leave and Sheridan decides to take care of things herself. So she heads over to the youth center because it's time for her to go to the youth center today. Can't be late for work when you're solving a mystery. Yep, yep, yep. So let's talk about Julian now. How about Julian? Let's talk about Julian drinking his victory port in his study the next day. He's still drinking it. He's still still victorious. He does a toast to himself sitting in front of a chessboard and he says, good work, Julian. You made Sheridan believe she was just dreaming and defanged Senor Luis. He's so racist. Oh, I didn't even catch that. I didn't even write it down. Defanged Senor Luis. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, by telling him his father was a thief. Just then, Ivy enters and says, "Still celebrating, Julian," and she sits down across the che- across from the chessboard from him. And like this symbolism, if you can even call it that, was like <laughs> was so on the nose. Yeah. You know, chess strategy, the king and the queen. Yeah. Like we get the drift. We, yeah. Know? We got it. Um. So. She says to him, it's interesting that you let Sheridan go on all these years thinking her nightmares were based in reality. And then he says, I didn't let her think anything. I simply hoped she'd get over her delusions. So they start into this whole, she comes in hot. She's, she's got yeah. some questions. She wants some answers, mm-hmm. you know? And she tells, she ends up telling Julian, you know, Sheridan isn't quite as convinced as you would like her to be. So you've got a problem on your hand, my friend. 
Mm-hmm. Just on one hand, though, not on both. Yeah, and he, she says, and also don't forget that I heard you. I overheard you saying that to Alistair that you would sacrifice Sheridan for the good of the family. And Julian then says, "Oh, as usual, you took that out of context. What other context could there be to the sentence? We could just sacrifice Sheridan. What's the context? Go to Hawaii and throw in a volcano. S- I mean, like, what are you? What are we doing? We could sacrifice Sheridan. Like, is it a game of capture the flag? That's the only other context I can think <laughs> of where." Sheridan doesn't get actually hurt. And right. They, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's not, I don't know. Anyway, it, she, he says she took it out of context. Yeah. And Julian says, look, Sheridan has to forget all about that stuff. Uh, there's no evidence. It's, it's like, just forget about it. Like, why are you still questioning me? Like my word should be enough for you to just listen. And Ivy says, but look, there never is evidence when a crane is involved in something messy. Mm-hmm. So Quote, if Alistair wanted something buried, it would be very easily accomplished. Mm-hmm. End quote. End quote. She uh, then says to Julian, you know, maybe don't celebrate too soon because uh, Sheridan is not quite as convinced as you want her to be. She, she, oh, sorry. Go ahead. She's still very concerned about that night and she still thinks she might have killed someone. This really deflates Julian. Like he starts to look really concerned, it, even though he's like, you can't bring me down today. But yep. Yes, she can. She can because she goes on to say that Sheridan thinks the body under the sheet was Martin Fitzgerald. And Julian's like, uh, how'd she make that connection? She said, oh, I'm afraid that's my fault. I happened to tell Sheridan. Oh, I happened yeah. to tell Oops. Sheridan that she, uh, Martin disappeared the day before she was shipped off to France. And that um, Julian's like, why would you tell her that? And she's like, why shouldn't I? If they're just coincidences, if they're not mm. connected, what's the problem? You know, mm-hmm. she's playing a little game and has been for a while. She's constantly playing a game with Julian. Mm-hmm. First, it was the Sam game. It's still the same. Now game. it's the Sheridan game. It's just it's just an offshoot of the Sam game. Yeah, that long con. The long con. This, she really is pulling a long con. Yeah, I mean a lifelong con. Ethan's entire, entire life. Yeah, his entire lame. I said, his, <laughs> I said Ethan's entire lame. It's pretty lame. Let's be honest. Ethan's entire lame life. <laughs> um. So. So uh, at this point in their conversation, Julia notices that, that Pilar is walking down the hallway. So he closes the door because he's like, uh, call me paranoid, but I'd rather not talk about Sheridan killing the housekeeper's husband when the housekeeper is standing right outside the door. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm putting an end to this. Yeah. Ivy says, again, if the whole thing is a coincidence, then what's the problem? Julian says, of course, it's a coincidence. Uh, you know, one has absolutely nothing to do with the other, but it doesn't look good. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you shouldn't be talking about it in front of Pilar. And then they once again recap the fact that Julian lied to Luis about the money the Cranes gave Pilar. Ivy says, if you're lying about that, then what else are you lying about? Martin's embezzlement, perhaps? Mm. And she says, you and your father are up to something. Yeah, she says, why would you cover up something as serious as embezzlement? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. And basically, Julian says, stop talking about this nonsense. Keep an eye on Sheridan. Make sure she doesn't tr- stir up trouble with Luis and Ivy leaves because she's not doing she's not going to do this with her husband any longer. And Julian says, father's not going to like this. Yep. And that's where we leave them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's go to the youth center and wrap this bitch up. Let's wrap this bitch up. At the youth. Oh, my God. At the youth center. Sheridan is planning to go to New Mexico. I, I uh, 
Like she gets to the youth center and is like, oh, I should go to work. And then immediately is like, no, I should go to Santa Fe instead. Like, did she spend the car ride over, like making the decision? And we just didn't see that. So it was really weird. I sincerely don't know. But she has like deduced that if she goes to New Mexico and finds Martin there alive and well, then she definitely didn't kill anyone. And if he's not there, if it's not him, then she did kill Martin. Like, that's yeah. where we are. That's, yeah, <laughs> and that's, it's such a reach. That's it's it. It's such a stretch. Okay. Anyway, so she doesn't want Luis to find out that she's going to New Mexico. So she naturally makes all of her arrangements to go to New Mexico from the fucking youth center's phone. <laughs> she calls the airport from the youth center. Oh, my God. This was so, it was so stupid. I thought, do you not have a cell phone? Does she not have a cell phone? Could she, she not make that call in her car? Right, right, right. She probably has a car phone, for Christ's sakes. I mean, come on. What What in the world? Yeah, we know that she has a cell phone, because remember, she almost yes. hit Hank because she was talking on the cell phone in the car. Maybe that's why she didn't make the call from the cell phone in the car. But she could have parked and called. <laughs> she could have parked yes. and called. Yeah, she could have, but she didn't. And the whole reason... The whole reason that she didn't was because they needed Luis to overhear the conversation. This was so dumb. It's so dumb. Of course, Luis walks in on her making these arrangements mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, is this little trip about my father? Would this, this wouldn't have anything to do with him, would it? And he keeps asking her like, why are you going to New Mexico? But she just stands st- silently there looking at him, trying to think up a lie, but she just can't. Luckily, Hank enters. Yeah, Hank comes in and thinks on his feet and, and you know, gives a reply on behalf of Sheridan. Uh, and he says to Luis, why would Sheridan be interested in your father? And Luis is like, well, it's quite a coincidence, don't you think? Her father just accused my father of embezzlement. And Hank jumps in again. And I'm getting really tired of dudes answering on behalf of women. I don't know. It's we Sheridan we, needed this one. She needed this one, but we have seen a lot of it and I'm getting tired of it. But I think that's just going to be like a soap opera trope. Somebody misinterpreting somebody else. And mm. then, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's going to happen a lot. But anyway, Luis is like, is this trip connected to my father? Answer me. Damn it. They got a swear word in. <laughs> they got a cuss. They got a cuss in <laughs> there. Cuss in. And Sheridan finally says, yes, I am going because of your father. Yeah. She blurts it out. I'm going to New Mexico because of your father. I need to get answers about what happened that night. Yeah. And Luis is like, what? What the hell? Of, what the hell business is it of yours? Yeah. Which is, yeah, I, I'm with Luis on this. Yeah, one. he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, someone who spent sleepless nights wondering about Martin, and of course, she's talking about herself. Yeah, thinking about something horrible that had happened. Uh huh. And Lu- Luis is getting more and more irritated, and Hank steps in and goes, "Luis, cool it." <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "You know, Sheridan said she's going to New Mexico about your father." And Luis again goes, yeah, but why? And he goes, why this sudden interest in a man that you don't even know? And she's she says she's going to get some answers about a critical that critical night that plagues someone's sleep. And Hank finally says, you know, isn't it obvious, Luis? She's going because of your mom. <laughs> Who else would have sleepless nights thinking about Martin? And Sheridan's like, oh, yeah. She happily jumps on that this train. This is definitely about Pilar. She happily jumps on that train. She's like, yes, yes, I'm talking about Pilar. I want to get answers to Pilar. I love Pilar. This is about Pilar. <laughs> <laughs> and Luis, again, is like, this doesn't concern you, Sheridan, so just stay out of it. And I'm going to have my father arrested. So it's handled, you know. And Sheridan then is like, no, you can't do that. What was her objection to him having Martin a- arrested? I don't know. I wrote, did I take these notes wrong? What's happening? <laughs> okay, so, I'm going to keep on with my tale. So I though. think you should probably keep going. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep on with my bad notes because I didn't take the, the best of notes here. But yeah, so he's like, it's handled. 
just stay out of it. And I'm going to have him arrested. Sheridan yells, no, you can't do that. You're making a big mistake. And he says, you know, I don't want your help. Stop trying to help me. You know, we're not friends just because I apologize to you. And don't even think about going to New Mexico. I'm going to deal with this. This is my business. And then Luis leaves to go get coffee. And Hank tells her, you know, meddling in Luis's family stuff is a very bad idea. He's really touchy. He's so touchy about the disappearance of his father. Surprisingly. (laughs) Surprisingly, he doesn't like to talk about it. And he doesn't think it's anyone's business but his own. And then... He says, since you're not going to New Mexico, how about that date? I know Hank is, Hank is pushing for a date. Hank, dude, read the room. But that's why I kept bringing it up. I was like, what is going on? Because like for many episodes, Hank is still pursuing Sheridan very obviously. And she keeps, she's always kind of like, oh, you know, she just doesn't outright tell him, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And I don't understand why. And then he leaves again and she picks up the fucking youth center phone again <laughs> and it says, uh, yes, this is Sheridan Crane. I want the crane jet fueled and ready to go. I'm going to New Mexico as planned. Why does she need to make this phone call? They were still under the impression that she was going. I don't know. That was stupid. It was stupid. It, again, it was another excuse for Luis to overhear. So she makes that stupid phone call about, oh, I'm get the jet fueled and ready to go, and then leaves to go to the airport. And then the airport calls back on the youth center line why they call back and say you know we want to talk to sheridan and he called louise calls for sheridan but she's not there he says hey can i keep she's not here can i take a message and they tell him that the plane is fueled up and ready to go again why did they need to call about that when she at this point is at the airport on the fucking plane and has called like she's called twice about i don't understand this, it, this was so dumb it again it was just an excuse for Luis to find out what was really going on. Yeah. It's how they it's how they managed to get Luis to the airport. Yeah. So dumb. So, 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 so dumb. Anyway, Sheridan is on the plane and the pilot, we think, tells her there's a storm coming in. It's a good thing we're leaving now because they're, and she's like, oh, is that going to affect my flight to New Mexico? And he's like, no, it shouldn't affect your flight at all. Yeah, he said, it's good we're going west because the storm is coming in from the north. So we should be good. Yeah. And then my next note is, wait a minute, was that not the pilot? Yeah, turns out Sheridan is flying the plane. She's flying the jet by herself with no co-pilot? I literally was like, why is this bitch in the cockpit? She has her pilot's license. She was sitting up there and then she says, breaker, breaker to tower, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, Sheridan's going to, Amelia Earhart's going to fly the plane. (laughs) This is like a whole new layer to Sheridan that That, I This was ridiculous. Was not expecting. It was was ridiculous. (laughs) Let's be honest. It was fucking ridiculous. It was, I cracked up. I couldn't stop laughing. I cracked up. It was so absurd. What's even more absurd is that at exactly this moment, Louise shows up right as she's requested clearance for takeoff. Yeah. And he comes into the cockpit. How'd he get on the fucking plane? It's a shit show. How'd he get into the airport? Onto the tarmac. He probably like pulled out his gun and started waving it at people <laughs> like he usually does. I, I imagine it was his badge. <laughs> but yeah. I, that, so he, so Sheridan is going to fly her and Luis to New Mexico. I'm looking forward to it. In season two of this show. I'm looking forward to it. So that's, that's it for the first half of this fucking episode. Oh that my was, God. it was a lot. There was a lot to be discussed and we discussed a lot of it. Yes, we did. My God. I need a break. I do too. I need a sandwich. <gasps> I have my banh mi. Yes. Yes. Let's eat. All right. We'll catch you on the flip side, people. So we had some lunch. We ate some food. I ate some very unhealthy food. And we're back. I had a I had that other half of that bomb me and it was excellent. 
I had I had a pile of poison. I had pizza, and I'm lactose intolerant, so <laughs> I'm gonna feel real no pun intended shitty in about 45 minutes. <laughs> a pile of poison. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's po- poetic. Oh well, a pile of poison. All right, so we're gonna start this half of the episode with Teresa and Ethan. We must look. I'm obsessed with Teresa. I know she's like really getting worse and worse, but God, she is fascinating. <laughs> a case study. She- <laughs> There yeah. should be like an entire book dedicated to her. She's gone off the deep end. She, this one, she is fascinating. So, Ethan is out bumbling around looking for a book to read. Remember, because he's like, "Oh, I guess I'll, there's no good books at the Crane Mansion in our library." His bachelor evening reading a book. Yeah, out on the town reading a book, and he stumbles upon a very distraught Teresa. She's crying because remember she just found out that she thinks that her father stole money from the cranes. Mm -hmm. And so Ethan goes over to her and says, Teresa, you know, what's wrong? And she says, I'm surprised you're talking to me. I know what my father did. Teresa. And then she tells Ethan the Martin story. And then we hear the Martin story, the the Martin Martin story, the Martin Martin story. story. (laughs) We hear it again. We hear it a fucking again. (laughs) They won't stop telling us this story. Yep. And um, she's like, so I'm sure you hate me now. And Ethan's like, "Mm." No. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you haven't done anything wrong and I don't hold anything against you. Why would I? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And And he then says, like, maybe it was all a misunderstanding, which maybe it was. Yeah. Well, it's no misunderstanding on the cranes part. Well, Ethan says that if if her father left because of something his family did, then he would feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So he's he is coming at it from another angle because he's lost all faith in Julian at this point. Thank God. Yeah. And so he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then she breaks down crying again. And Ethan embraces her to comfort her. And just then. Gwen pops out of the shadows. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it was so perfect. I cracked. <laughs> I cracked. First of all, Teresa's crying had me laughing my ass off. <laughs> the way she was just like the physicality of it. It was very physical crying. It was. <laughs> it was. It was a full body sob. <laughs> she was shaking. Yeah. And then, and then Gwen popping out. Just she. It, she emerged like Batman through the shadows and the smoke. Like, I mean, it, it was marvelous. Yeah, And when she popped out, I lost it altogether. Me too. Like, I, I had to stop. <laughs> I had to pause it and laugh. And so she sees this embrace and she moves back into the shadows. Said she sinks into the shadows yeah. to spy and be heartbroken. Yeah. To be, to eavesdrop again, instead of just confronting this situation head on. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can see, I guess I can see her trying to suss out what's really going on between them. Because if Ethan doesn't know she's there, then maybe he'll say something incriminating and maybe it'll go in the direction she definitely does not want it to go. Or maybe she'll find out that the whole thing is completely innocent. Right. And then that will kind of assuage her fears. Yeah. Personally, I just would have walked right up to them. That's Uh, that's my move. That's kind of my move. Like, I just walk into the situation. If they hadn't spotted me, I might check it out for a few minutes and kind of see. I want to see with my own eyes what's really happening. And then... And then I'll pop out, which is exactly what she did. You're a Gwen. I guess I'm a Gwen. <laughs> I'm a Teresa. Sheridan, like the did, Sheridan did the same thing. Yes, she did. She like snuck in the shadows and she was like, what are, what's Mimi and what's his fucking name? Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I forgot about him. I, could, I was like, Roger, that's the wrong one. She like sat back and watched them do their thing for a little while before popping out. I, I get it. I don't think that's ever coming up it's again. It's never coming back. 
We thought maybe it would, but nope. I don't think it's ever coming so. up again. I think they scrapped that all together. I think anything that had to do with the Princess Die stuff had to go yeah. because of the lawsuit. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I don't know if it was a lawsuit, but the you know the royal family was like, put the kibosh on it. Yeah. So um, Gwen's standing in the shadows, and Ethan is attempting to comfort Teresa and he says, you know, if it's true that your father stole money from my family, it doesn't change my feelings for you. What? This my man, feelings this, for you? Oh, my this God. This man, what are you saying to this crazy girl? <sighs> what are you saying to her? And, of course, Teresa kind of peps up and immediately stops crying upon hearing the word feelings. You know, she's like, yeah. what? You have feelings for me? What feelings? And he goes, you know, I won't let this affect your job. And then he asks her to come and help him with a very important project tomorrow. He's like, you don't have school tomorrow, do you? And how about you come and help me with a project? And it's super important. And Gwen overhears him say to Teresa, then it's a date tomorrow. Again, he really needs to be careful with his words. It's like, it's like, do you remember in Arrested Development that Michael told Tobias that, you know, hey, buddy, maybe record yourself and listen back to how you talk? Yeah. Because he's like, I'm afraid I just blew myself. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, Ethan needs that advice. Ethan needs a recorder to listen back, even though Tobias listened back to his and was like, I don't hear anything wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan probably would do the same. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, what's wrong with me telling her she I have I have feelings for her? Yeah. What's what's wrong with me saying it's a date to this crazy girl? Mm-hmm. So then Teresa hugs him again and Gwen reveals herself to the couple. And her opening line is, Just bought you a sweater, Ethan, but it looks like you found another way to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Gwen. Come on. Gwen. Gwen, she bought him a sweater. (laughs) Also, bitch, I thought you were tired from shopping. You're out shopping again? She hasn't hasn't come back yet from shopping. She said she was too tired. She said she was too tired, but she has one bag and one sweater. The rest are in the limo. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah, she goes, puts it in the limo, goes to the next door, puts the bag in the limo. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Gwen is not too happy <laughs> but Teresa explains to, to Gwen she says no he was just helping me comforting me over something horrible that just happened which is true like she just found out some really bad news mm-hmm. and um, Ethan says you know it's personal so he doesn't want to share the news because it's not his news to share but Teresa just tells her the real story. The Martin, the Martin story. The Martin story. The Martin story. The Martin story. How many times? Teresa tells. How many times? We should have kept a tab. Teresa tells her the Martin story. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll make a TikTok of it each time. Do cut to Mar- the Martin story. Oh my God. It was That'll so take many so times. Long, It'll take you a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Teresa leaves saying, you know, Ethan is great and nothing happened between us. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, then Teresa leaves, but Gwen is pissed. I would be too. Gwen is pissed. Yeah. What do you take me for, Ethan, a complete fool? Well, my question also is what is Gwen going to do with this news? Because now she has some information on Teresa, and she's been angling for a while uh, to, to figure something out. How can she deal with her rival? Yeah, but she doesn't have any more information than anybody else has. Eh, Everybody true. knows the Martin story at this point. But she has more means than a lot of people. You know, so maybe she can like dig something up or I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. It's maybe. possible. I just don't know. I just don't know what, how she could leverage this information mm-hmm. in any way p- for her, you know, because mm-hmm. any way she uses this kind of information makes her look really, really bad. 
Well, that didn't stop her from almost exposing Teresa at the house when Luis was there. Yeah, but she she it would have been like it would have made her look really bad if she went to Luis and said, you know, Teresa's actually working here. But just letting Luis notice Teresa, she mm-hmm. didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't and know. And that doesn't really make her look bad. Of course, Sheridan f- thought she made her. It made her look bad to Sheridan, but mm-hmm. it to me it was like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's what I would do too. <laughs> fuck yeah. Ah, so you're Gwen. Hell no, I'm not a Gwen. <laughs> I'm not a fucking you're Gwen. A Gwen. I'm, a Teresa. I'm a Teresa. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no I'm no. not. I'm not. You a don't want to be a Teresa. I, who would Teresas I be in this end show? up in jail? Let's be honest. I, I am. I'm. I'm probably Beth. Oh <laughs> no! You know who I am? I'm Simone. I was about to say I'm Simone. No, I'm Simone. Yeah, I'm very easily Simone. We'll get there. All right. So, what's going on with these two? I don't know. <laughs> they're fighting. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They're no, fighting. they're fighting. Yeah, yeah, they're fighting. Um, Gwen says, "Do you really think I can't see what's going on here?" And she says, "How would you react if the roles were reversed? Like, what if I?" Um, did all of these things that you and Teresa have done. So she runs down this laundry list of, quote, compromising situations between Ethan and Teresa. And Ethan says, you know, if that were the case, I would believe you when you said that nothing was going on. And she says, look, what's next, dude? Walking in on you making love? And then Ethan gets really defensive about this and says, so you're saying I can't comfort someone who's upset? And Gwen's like, of course you can comfort someone who's upset. But when will you realize that the person is always Teresa. Mm-hmm. And he says, I can't believe the way you're twisting things. Ugh, he, mm, these two are hanging on by a thread. And Gwen, look, Gwen's not wrong. We Gwen's know, not wrong. We know Gwen is not wrong. And even if I didn't know the other side of things, I would still think that Gwen is not wrong. Ethan's a dunce. Yeah. He's a dunce. He is a dunce. So he, again, swears that there is nothing going on between him and Teresa and that he loves Gwen. He, I love you, Gwen. And he tries to convince her to go to his lake house. He's like, why don't we go to go away together for a few days and there'll be no distractions, just you and me. And she says, okay, I'll go under one condition. No, Teresa. Okay. And of course he agrees. He's like, obviously Teresa will not be there because he's forgotten that he already made a date with Teresa the Mm -hmm. following day to do some work. Mm -hmm. Also, he wants to take her up to their lodge. Is that like a rich person's cabin? Let's go away yeah, to the lodge. Later, later they call it a cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Later they call it a cabin. I just was, I, I don't know. know. Yeah. Cause first it was like a lake house. Then it was like a lodge. And, and then, then it was, was a cabin. cabin. They haven't, they haven't figured out exactly what they, I think they settled on cabin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cabin by a lake. Yeah. I, maybe they were still scouting locations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the lot. <laughs> Like we got to uh, figure out our budget first before we settle. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's where Ethan and Gwen leave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next we follow Teresa who's leaving the pier and has run into Whitney. Mm-hmm. And what happens? You're going to have to tell me. Oh, okay. So Teresa tells Whitney that she found out something bad about her father and found out something about the cranes and she knows why he left all those years ago but she doesn't tell the martin story she She doesn't she doesn't want to talk about it she She doesn't get into the details they finally were like you know what we've told this story enough nine times (laughs) enough conservatively nine times we've told this story she she doesn't want to talk about that instead she wants to talk about ethan who else who else she want to talk about even though 
you just found out that your father might be alive, even though you thought he might be dead. Mm. You were thrilled about it before. Now you don't want to talk about it. Now you just want to talk about Ethan. And, and now you just want to talk about Ethan. How he asked you to work with him tomorrow. This girl's priorities, which yeah. we get to later, but this fucking girl's priorities mm-hmm. are all out of whack. And so she's talking about Ethan and Whitney says, you know, what about, haven't you forgotten about Gwen, the woman that he's going to marry? Oh, but Teresa tells Whitney that that she can see the naked fear in mm-hmm. Gwen's eyes when she looks at me with Ethan. Mm-hmm. And then Teresa says, I almost feel sorry for her, except that I'm glad I'm going to win. Teresa. I loved it. Teresa, what I, are you doing? I was living in this moment. <laughs> I was living in this moment because Teresa is fucking right. Teresa is right. Everybody thinks she's crazy, which she kind of is, but she's not wrong about That's this. That's true. Gwen does have fear in her eyes about Teresa surrounding Teresa and her man. That's true. And Teresa probably is going to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote next. You're starting to sound like Kay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, kind of. Starting Ex- to sound like Kay. Kind of, except. Except that Teresa's right and Kay is wrong. Kay is completely wrong. And Miguel has never, ever, ever, ever spoken any words to to um k to muddy the wa- waters he well, has never won except for the wedding ring the thing. wedding ring when he proposed and then asked her to the valentine's day dance and they've been yeah. best friends forever well it was the valentine's day dance together, or sorry the, uh, halloween, the halloween dance. dance and he cleared that up immediately yeah and she should have known that that's what what's going on yeah she should have known i don't know i just i see some parallels um no i see some parallels but where it matters most they're different. That's true. Yeah. But the reaction is similar, and that's the issue. <laughs> the reaction between these two are similar. Well, whatever. Yeah, so... We'll have to see where this mess goes. Anyway, Whitney and Teresa talk about Teresa going to work at the Crane Mansion tomorrow with Ethan. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go to tomorrow at the Crane Mansion, shall we? Let's do it. Tomorrow the at the Crane Mansion. Gwen wakes up in Ethan's bed because she has spent the night with him since she has no sense of self-worth. <laughs> that's my... That's- <laughs> That's my opening line. <laughs> Poor Gwen. Gwen. Poor Gwen. I, she loves this man. And she, she, she has staked all of her hopes and dreams on him, but so has Teresa. Girl, get out while you can. Don't spend any more time with him. Yeah, like, you're a debutante. You you're, can do better. You're you're beautiful. You're you're wealthy. You have a good job. Like you're young. Don't give him any more of your twenties. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Don't do it. She's gonna we do it. We all do it. Yeah, we, we all, all, we all give in our 20s to some idiot. To some idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We give the best years of our lives to someone who doesn't deserve it. Uh, anyway, so Ethan at this point finally fesses up that Gwen does have reason to feel threatened because he has been thinking about someone else. His yeah. true love, Sheridan Crane. Sheridan. He's like, I've, <laughs> I've been distant thinking about someone else lately. Sheridan. 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 We've been saying it. We have been We've saying been it. We've been saying it. He loves her. I like, felt vindicated when the, when he mm-hmm. said this line. <laughs> and then he catches her up about all the things that have been going on with Sheridan and says that um, they're both now ready to move on with their lives and start looking towards the future. And he talks about his future with Gwen. Mm. And he hints that maybe he's going to propose to her at the cabin, you mm-hmm. know. And then Gwen once again brings up Teresa in this moment and warns Ethan about Teresa and says, she has the hots for you. She's crazy about you. And then he calls her crazy. He's like, you're the one that's crazy. And she thinks that's cute. She thinks it's cute. And then she says, the the most obvious reason that Teresa's attracted to you is because your last name spells money. Yeah, that was fucked up. She says that. So this is yet another person in a position of power with an enormous sum of money 
making false claims about Teresa and just like poor shaming. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And look, I don't, I don't particularly like Gwen. Do I think Teresa is doing the right things here? No, no, but, but I don't like Gwen, which, um, I guess makes me is part of the reason that I am. So like team Teresa is because I also just dislike Gwen. Mm. And, and this is one of the reasons why. Yeah. I, you know, she's yeah. a snob. She, in the way she talks about Teresa as the housekeeper's daughter. Yeah. I just, I don't like, I don't like Gwen. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. So, Gwen is a lot more like Julian than Ethan seems to know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, Gwen. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> So, so, um, later in, later on, they go down to the living room and remember they had a little talk with Sheridan and, and, uh, Ivy, because this is when, uh, Ivy and Sheridan came over to talk to Ethan about whatever Sheridan was like, I got to get Ethan's opinion on something. I can't remember what it was, either her dreams or the Martin thing. Oh, it was, it was both. It was like, did I kill Martin Fitzgerald? Right. Yeah. So this is when they come into the living room and talk and yeah. they tell Ivy and Sheridan that they're going away for a few days. Yeah. We're going to go out of the cabin to rest, relax and fuck. Yep. Meanwhile, Teresa has shown up for her day at work with Ethan and is like upstairs in his bedroom. And he comes in and he's like, Teresa, what are you doing here? <laughs> Cause he comes, he comes back upstairs. Gwen leaves to go pack. And, uh, He's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what do you mean? We were supposed to work on that really important project today. Also, Teresa is wearing a dress that she says she spent all of her savings on. She has her fingernails like painted with this beautiful color that she was like super excited about. She, this, this girl just found out that her dad might be alive and maybe stole a bunch of money and is a criminal and has abandoned her and all of her thoughts are about like this dress and the, her nail polish. And she actually says earlier on in the day, she's like, I will, I, you know, it's more important than ever that I get Ethan to marry me because there's no way that he would press charges against our Papa. If I were his wife, this girl, uh, she's out of her mind. And everyone tells her that she's out of her mind because this conversation happens earlier in the day with Miguel and he is not having any of yeah. it. So she's out of her mind. So now she's at the crane mansion in her new dress with her nail polish, all ready to seduce <laughs> Ethan. Yeah. Her hair's up. Yeah, she looks good. She always looks good. I mean, she's beautiful. But what the fuck is she doing? What is she playing at? So, so Ethan is there, and he's 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 like, "What are you doing here?" And she reminds him, "Oh, well, we're supposed to do that big important thing, you know, for work." And he goes, "Oh my gosh, I have to cancel. So sorry, but I'm going away." And when she gets upset, he's like, "Why are you so upset, Teresa? Why is it so important for you to be with me?" Yeah, she yells, "No, you can't!" When he says he's going away, "No, you can't!" Why is it so important for you to be with me? Because he can't, he, he, he needs to record himself. Stop saying these things. Who speaks like that? No one. No one speaks like that, Laura. You, you, do you think maybe we're hearing Ethan's lines filtered through Teresa's lens? I don't think that, I don't think the writers of Passions like went that far. I don't think it was that because cerebral. Who, who else would actually say that? No one. Who else would say, why is it so important for you to be with me? I think, I think it's just bad writing. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just bad writing. Well, I think they, I mean, they have to give her reason to think that, they, that she has a, uh, you know, a snowball's chance in hell. Yeah. And that's the only way because 
whatever whatever we gotta get we gotta keep moving i'm not gonna we gotta keep moving yeah he's like why why are you so upset we won't be working together and uh he you know he really needs to get a clue and buy a vowel i i don't (laughs) he's such a blockhead i just don't understand him but anyway Teresa says that he had told her it was a very important project and that's why she's upset. She's like, I just, I don't want you to get in trouble because you said this was a really important project and you needed to work on it. And I just thought you needed my help. And then Ethan has like a flashback to Gwen telling him that Teresa is crazy about him. And so he decides to press Teresa a little bit further and he goes, is that all Teresa? Is that the only reason you're upset I'm going away? (laughs) And she goes, yeah. Yeah. What else could it be? <laughs> she's like, of course. She's like, of course. And so then she's like, so are you going to stay and work on the project? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, it'll have to wait. And she's really upset. She's, she looks sad again. And he um, walks into the bathroom, like his ensuite, and she sits down on the bed. And he says, I, I have to go to the cabin tonight because it's important for my future. And she goes, isn't your future with Crane Industries important? And he's like, yeah. I, and I appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in my work, but it just, it can't be my whole life, you know? And he goes, then he tells her, I hope some guy doesn't take you away from me. Yeah. I need someone like you in my life. Yep. What the fuck? And I didn't even understand where this came from. I, I, from nowhere. It, it came, came from out nowhere. of nowhere. It came from out of his little pea brain. I don't know. Does he not hear what is coming out of his mouth? No. I don't know. I, 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 <sighs> This is crazy. I hope you dedicate your entire life to serving me and my needs so that I can move forward with with Crane Industries. Like, is that like, that's kind of, that's what he's saying. Yeah. And so she. But the way he said it was so. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. Some, I hope some guy doesn't come along and snatch you up basically. Yeah. This was crazy. And then she, of course, is like bolstered by this saying like, do you really mean that, Ethan? And he says, yeah, you keep me grounded and pull me back when I'm distracted and make sure I keep my nose to the grindstone. The fuck are you saying, Ethan? What the fuck are you saying? I'm not sure because somehow this snowballs into like a self-pitying rant about how he only does what his family expects him to do. And he... It, I, I don't get this whole thing. He's like, I see how passionate you are about a career in fashion. And I, I wonder if I'll ever be so passionate about anything in my whole life. You know, I've been so preoccupied with work that I've let other important things slip like love. Oh my God. So love is more important than anything. Love. It's the most important thing, Teresa. Ugh. That, that was one of the quotes I had that I was like, oh, uh, love. It's the most important thing, Teresa. Uh-uh. Why are you saying that to her? Uh-uh. Girl, so... Mm. And she, of course, says, you know, I feel exactly the same way. This man is denser than a block of lead. He is dense. What they call him in the review? Concrete? A, a, a hunk, hunk of concrete. concrete. <laughs> hunk of concrete. <laughs> a talking co- hunk of concrete. <laughs> he is dense. He... Man, he is thick. thick. And not in a good way. As thick as my thighs. He yeah, is... but you you got like... It's like sexy thick thighs. <laughs> right? Ethan's thick and like a... <laughs> he's got my thighs for a head (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so she yeah she's like lighting up at this you know practically they they know each other so well and also i think part of this was because he does kind of share a lot with her and i think part of it was that we were supposed to notice how easily ethan can talk to Teresa about things yeah 
That makes sense. Yeah, I think we were supposed to notice that. And I did notice it, I guess. I didn't, but... I mean... I mean, he and Gwen have been together for years, so presumably they know these important things about each other and don't bring it up all the time, but... I don't know. Yeah. yeah, he's opening up to Teresa. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really, what, for me, I'm just whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, so she says she feels the same way about love, and he goes, good, you have to keep your priorities straight. And, honey, her priorities are anything but straight. Couldn't be more bass-ackwards. Cro- crooked. Crooked priorities. Oh, my God. Just then, Ivy enters with some sort of work for Teresa to do, like some phone calls about a New Year's Eve party. Oh, that's right. It's almost New Year's Eve now. But it can't be because later on – well, we'll talk about it with the kids, but they're talking about Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we I, well, done, maybe, and we haven't done Christmas yet. Yeah, maybe they're just planning ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. But we're already talking about New Year's Eve now. Yeah. Um, and then Teresa leaves with the work. And inside the room, Ivy just continues her campaign to get Ethan to propose to Gwen. Um, outside the room, Teresa's like mooning over Ethan out loud and Pilar overhears her and she's like, what are you doing here, Teresa? Teresa's like, oh, I was just doing some work for Mrs. Crane. And she's like, no, you weren't. You were mooning over Ethan. I heard you. (laughs) (laughs) So then we kind of like have some weird, awkward cuts. And the next thing we see is like Teresa now sitting in Ethan's bedroom. He's not in sight. And she's like mooning over a picture of him and Julian walks in. Yeah, Julian, Julian walks in. Watson. He's he got some her. he has some time sensitive documents that require Ethan's signature. And Teresa's like, "Well, he's not here. He's up at the cabin. And can we fax it to him or something?" And he's like, "Well, there's no fax machine. Um, so we need to we need to get these to him stat. Like he needs to get these signed immediately." And he's like, "Oh, I have a good idea." Teresa, why don't you bring him these papers? You can go up to the cabin. We'll have, what do you say? We'll have the driver take you and and then you can take a train home. Something, something about a train and a car. You can't have the driver take her up. She's a teenage girl. You're going to put her on a train by herself without consulting her mother. I I, I don't know. So, but of course, Teresa jumps at the opportunity. Of course. When an opportunity, we already know that Teresa believes when the opportunity presents itself, you take it. That's what she said about locking Gwen in that fucking closet. Well, Gwen's about to have a fucking time because they're about to get locked in this cabin together. I can't wait. I can't wait. Because. So Teresa's on her way to the cabin. Ethan calls Gwen. He's in the car. I have a question about this. Yes. Ethan's in the car. He calls Gwen. Yes. Who is still at home. Yes. Why the fuck didn't they drive up together? Right. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, I assume this is what I think is going to happen. We didn't get there this time, but I, this is what I think might happen. I think Ethan's going to get to the cabin and Teresa's going to get to the cabin, but Gwen ain't going to make it. Oh, I don't think Gwen's going to make it. Oh. And I think Ethan and Teresa are going to get snowed, snowed in at the cabin. the cabin. Okay. So I was thinking, so I was like, well, because Gwen's on the phone and she's like, oh, I need to pack. So I can't, I'm excited to meet you there or whatever. And Ethan's like, I asked Cook to prepare every erotic food I could think of. Black olives, <laughs> caviar, oysters, chocolate, and of course champagne. And I was like, he forgot the strawberries, the number one turn on food. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, if we have any luck at all, we might get snowed in. Because remember that storm system that Sheridan was talking about at the airport is heading is coming in from the north. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely where they are. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. And I'm together. so excited. Like, I'm so excited. I told Laura this earlier, but I might, I'm telling, I'm thinking I might just watch Passions this weekend, like a shit ton of Passions, and like really watch it like I would re- watch a normal show, a regular show that I don't take notes, and then go back and take my notes 
again this week. I might watch Passions twice. Because <laughs> I really want to watch a lot of this. I yeah. want to watch like the next 30 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I could do it. You could do it. You All could right. do it. So Ethan and Gwen are on this fucking phone call. And she says, I hope your father wasn't too upset about you missing work. And he's like, well, I didn't tell him. But even if I did, there was no way I was going to, you know, I, there's no stopping me. This is what I want to do. And, you know, I got to get my priorities in, in check. It's like I told Teresa, work isn't the all, end all be all of my world. Then Gwen gets pissed. And she's like, you told Teresa about our romantic plans? Yeah, I didn't understand her, uh, why she... Why she was so upset by Honey, this. the mere mention of Teresa. And you know what? I, You know what? I get it. And I'm going to tell you why I get it. And it's not because I'm a Gwen. It is because there are certain people who, when their name comes up, it pisses you off. Okay. There's certain, and she's at that point with Teresa now. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what, when their name comes up, you think, ugh, that person. I'm not naming names, but you and I have one person in common. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly who it is. Like, oh boy. I'm not naming names, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And if I was on the phone with you and I was like, oh, so I told such and such about our romantic, we- our romantic. We week. have a lot of romantic weekends, you and me. <laughs> Locked together in this house. But you would be like, why did you tell that person? You know, like, why are you talking to that person? I would be so confused because they blocked you on every social media (laughs) platform. So why are you even talking to them? (laughs) Ooh, child. And then that person tried to add me back. Bitch, no. (laughs) You're lucky. You're lucky you don't have to see these infernal posts. Oh, my God. They're enraging. Oh, get off your fucking high horse. Mm. Stop trying to tell the world about how you think things should be and just like go fix things. Yeah. I don't know. This per- I, I'm not going to go on a rant about this <laughs> but, person. But now see. Yeah, I get see it. See where you're at? I get you it. See where you are at the mere mention. I didn't even say the person's name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, she's pissed at just the mention of Teresa's name. And uh, she goes, I don't see why you had to tell her anything. And she asks if Teresa was angry when... Ethan canceled on her and he goes, well, she was upset, but it's because she's so conscientious. And he tells Gwen, don't worry. You don't need to stress. Calm down. There's no reason for Teresa to show up at the cabin. They both say it. There's no, yeah, there's no reason for Teresa to come to the cabin whatsoever. Yep. I'm just so glad we can be alone together. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Ethan and Teresa are going to get snowed in at the cabin. Yes. And, And Gwen is, I don't know, going to end up in a ditch. No. Is she going to go into the hospital? She actually, she's not, I don't think she's going to go into the hospital, but she, yeah, she might end up in a ditch. I don't know. Like in her car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's what I meant. Like, like sliding off the road because of yeah. the ice and snow. Yeah. Oh. Or maybe she can't, there's a road and she can't pass. She just she can't turn get, around. Yeah. We'll see. I can't oh. wait. Like I'm so excited. All right. That's all of them, right? I think that's it for those, those three, those three, that, that gruesome threesome. <laughs> and I think we just need to do the kids and yes. Tabitha. Yep. Okay. All right, let's talk about the cheering. Let's go to the book cafe. Over to the book cafe. Okay, so uh, the kids are all at the cafe. We'll talk more specifically about Whitney, Chad, Simone in a little bit. Let's focus on Kay and Miguel. Yes. Who are sitting at a table having a little snack, and Miguel is worried about charity. Yes. Of course he's worried about charity, and Kay is not. Oh, not at all. Um, In fact... Miguel gets up to go buy a CD for charity, and when he goes to get that CD... Kay says to herself, I hope Charity rots in hell. Yep. She's in no way concerned about her cousin. No. 
Not not one whit. Yeah. So Kay then sees a sign for the Thanksgiving pageant. There's a sign up at the book cafe about this, and she makes an attempt at reminiscing with Miguel talks about how oh everyone sees us as a team because we were the two leads in the pageant last year and you know everyone's so used to seeing us together and yeah you know all this other stuff like she's trying to plant in his head that they're a natural couple basically yeah she says you were always John Smith and I was always Pocahontas problematic yeah why are they telling that story at the Thanksgiving pageant I don't know it's not a great story It's it's not a great story and also that's not about Thanksgiving no you know what? I literally just listened to um, this American, an episode of This American Life from 1998, actually, where the these two Native American twins were recharting the Trail of Tears. Oh, and it was it was a really interesting episode. It was a really good episode. Um, but yeah, it it's interesting the way we celebrate certain things like Thanksgiving and the way that we repurpose and rewrite history to, Mm -hmm. to do like a celebration. But she also, she made the point. She was like, but you know what? That's just very American. I mean, look at Memorial day. How Mm -hmm. do we memorialize lost soldiers by grilling meat and shooting off fireworks? Right. You know, I was like, yeah, no, it's not, not a bad point. Anyway, I'm off subject. I'm off topic. Also, they talk at length about Chattanooga in that really in that episode yeah oh and they were at the aquarium the Tennessee aquarium in that episode and she was talking about a fourth grade a fourth grade class that was there at the end of the year as a uh and uh, yeah as a in um, 1998 I would have been in fourth grade in 1998 it's very possible it's very possible I was at the aquarium that day oh my god very very possible that I kind of was in this American life so pretty cool I've always been a podcaster Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm off track. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I did the math. I was like, yeah, in the, the end of school, 1998, I would have been in fourth grade. Yeah, that's perfect. It's amazing. That's, you know what? Uh, that's all we need to, t- to really say about All right, the end. You are Miguel. my passion for life. No. <laughs> that's all we need to say about uh, yeah, Miguel is. and Kay at the book cafe. They head over to, um, back to Kay's house because Kay, she, um, Miguel wants to take the CD and a latte that he bought for charity back to her house but uh they're not gonna find charity at Kay's house because charity is at tabitha's house yes remember charity has gone over to tabitha's house to apologize for her behavior <laughs> when she <laughs> was yelling evil she's like i just came over to apologize for yelling evil at you <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember anything and i don't know why i did it but i'm really sorry about it so um at this point charity the, uh, Charity has discovered the painting that is trying to make itself known to her. It's mm-hmm. flying around. It's hung itself on a wall. It fell down uh, to get her attention. And Charity has said, oh, I know this painting. It looks like you. It looks like you. And yeah. Tabitha does exactly what I would have done, which is, oh, yeah, that's one of my ancestors. It's so funny. I look exactly like them. And Charity insists that she's seen it someplace. Yeah. And then she goes... Looking at this painting is making me feel dizzy. She starts to feel real faint. I feel so woozy. Yeah. And uh, Tabitha walks her over to the couch and she tells her, oh, dear, you must find this painting so familiar because you studied the Puritans in school and probably forgot all about it. And because, you know, amnesia. Okay. Here's the thing with the with Charity's amnesia. How does she not remember anything ever? Like Charity doesn't remember anything. It's not that she doesn't remember from like the incident at the house onward mm-hmm. like she doesn't remember anything about her youth about her childhood about things that she learned in school like what are the what are the parameters there are none apparently you know it's a convenient excuse for her not to remember things that she needs to remember mm. period okay. it's, a, it's a it's a convenient excuse for them to be able to say like oh you're feeling this way because of your amnesia you mm. know it, 
yeah, they they're gonna use it whatever way fits the narrative. Yeah, basically. Okay, all right. It doesn't make sense, but that's how it's being used. It sucks. Yeah, it's not great. Anyway, Tabitha goes to get Charity some tea, I think, and Charity like musters all of her brain power. This poor girl <laughs> is just, like using her brain power so much to try her best to remember where she's seen that painting before. She's like, it looks so familiar. I know I've seen. I know I've seen this painting before, and. uh then Tabitha and Timmy do recap in the kitchen again. They constantly recap everything. Yeah, they recap everything. But I do think it's important to say we find out that Tabitha did battle with Charity's mother, her grandmother, her great grandmother, etc. This was the most awesome thing. Yeah, I, I loved this. Oh, I learned. I actually learned a little bit about. We learned a little bit about. Tabitha. Yeah, it was great. She says it's only a matter of time because uh, when Charity learns out about the history of all of the Standish women, so maybe this is why Tabitha is saying I'm going to get my revenge on all of Harmony because she's had this long-standing fight going on with all of the standish ladies all of the standish women and again i have a little problem with this why does she not have a problem with Kay or jessica charity's last name yes charity's last name is standish but like she has the same amount of standish blood as Kay and jessica have true I, so how is Kay an ally and charity is the the adversary i don't know so i don't know that yeah. just irritated it the may, fuck out it of may, me makes sense i mean also is standish faith and grace's maiden name or is standish the last name of charity's biological father it has to be grace and faith it has because grace it has to be right it has to be it has to be because grace and faith are the link right. they're, they're twins and she needed to get rid of faith yeah who was one of the standish Ugh. ancestors and grace is her identical twin as we have been reminded a million times right they have so the it, exact it same blood. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, it has to be them. I I think they just do whatever they feel like doing and expect us to go with it. I don't think that, you know what? They didn't expect anyone to like do a recap show and scrutinize everything that came out of people's mouths. You know, that's what it is. Yeah, but this particular detail is just extremely sloppy. I mean, unbelievably sloppy. Mm. I, 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 it does. It makes absolutely no sense. Non-zero. You can't, I can't even do a workaround. They, well, they haven't established their own rules and they never really did with faith and grace and charity and all that. Like they kind of jumped in and then backtracked and rewrote certain things and just expected us not to notice. But they, they, it's very clear to me that they don't know their own story right now. And they're just kind of writing it as they go along. Yes particularly when it comes it seems to me like they have fleshed out a lot of what they want to do with Ethan and Gwen and Teresa like they've put a lot of thought into that into the Sheridan and Martin stuff and they've just kind of let the magic like <laughs> do its own thing and for whatever reason they haven't put any attention into it it'll you know? write it, it writes itself it, yeah they're just letting it write itself and it isn't working <laughs> it writes itself it doesn't I love it though. it writes itself but not well it's but I do terrible. love it this is the thing though I do love it I love it so much I love it and it's terrible it's not it's good it's so terrible so while Timmy and Tabitha are in the kitchen talking about these ancestors, the Standish women and whatever, Charity dizzily like wanders out of the front door. And I thought she was just leaving. I did too. I thought she was just going to leave. And so as she wanders, the, the painting starts to kind of float and follow her. And then Timmy and Tabitha come back in and Tab Tabitha manages to like catch the painting and put it down on the couch before Charity sees it. Cause Charity comes walking back in. Yeah. I, w I wasn't sure what the fuck was going on. Like, is she leaving? Is the painting trying to follow her? Is it, is, is it drawing her back into the house? 
what's what's going on? I don't know. And then Charity comes back in and Tabitha gives her some tea, some water. I don't know. And I thought, why not just poison her? That's what I thought immediately. I was like, why not just poison her right then and there? Hmm. And because there, there you go. Right. Done and done. No yeah. blood, no mess. No fuss, no muss. Just just poison her. Yeah. Well, then they sit down and Tabitha has a witch trials flashback, which is amazing. Oh, my God. I loved it. It was a she was being put in the stocks. Whatever. Well, one of the Puritan men go, what strange doings thou hast done this time? And she says, that is for me to know and thou to find out. <laughs> That's for, I'm going to start saying that. That's for me to know and, and thou, thou to find, find out. out. And then she goes, thou shalt pay for this. So then Charity starts to head out and says, you know, I should, I should get going because if somebody comes looking for me, nobody's going to know where I am and people might be worried because no one knows I'm here. And that's when I realized that's why Tabitha didn't poison her. It's because she thought people knew where the fuck Charity was, but she didn't. And now she's like, I'm going to seize this opportunity. Exactly. Just like Tab, I mean, just like Teresa, seize the opportunity. Seize the day. Carpe diem. So Tabitha falls back on her old standby of pretending to have heart palpitations. (laughs) (laughs) And... It works. So now the roles are reversed. Charity has gone to get Tabitha. She puts her on the couch. She's going to go in the kitchen and get her some water. Yeah, she said Tabitha sent her in the kitchen to get her pills. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, my pills. My pills. So she's looking for the medication, getting a glass of water. And uh, Timmy, back in the living room, is talking to Tabitha. He's like, okay, it's time to make our getaway. And Tabitha's like, no, now it's time to make Charity disappear. And so Tabitha grabs the fire poker. Yep. I wrote... Tabitha grabs the fire poker with murder in her heart. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened. I mean, what else do you write? Yeah. And she says, yes, this should do not quite nicely. <laughs> so she's going to, she's going to, again, try to bludgeon her to death. Bludgeon Charity to death. <sighs> what she, oh, well, whatever. So this was great. This was great. So Tabitha then positions herself like next to the kitchen door so that when Charity comes through, she will be, she won't see her and she'll be able to just like knock her over the head. And then like cartoonery ensues. Yeah. Tabitha, I mean, Charity comes out and Tabitha goes to like hit her, but Charity's like, oh, I forgot the water. And she turns back around without seeing Tabitha and goes back into the kitchen. Tabitha swings, it's a miss, and the fire poker flies out of her hand and gets stuck into the wall like it shoots into the wall right next to Timmy's head (laughs) it was great it was great and so they they're like ah foiled again so then they decide they're gonna like creep into the kitchen and attack charity and she raises she pulls the fire poker out of the wall gets in the kitchen raises it above her head and just as she's about to bring down uh her murder weapon Miguel and Kay are walking by the house charity sees them and calls them over through the window in the kitchen yep she has thwarted Tabitha's plan again. Ah. Then the next thing I wrote is more painting nonsense. Yeah. Well, so Miguel goes to get Charity's jacket and Tabitha fights with the painting because the painting is trying to get noticed. So it's like flying around the house and doing all this shit. And uh, finally, our favorite himbo notices what the fuck is going on is like, uh, why is the painting on the couch? Like, what are you, because she makes up a lie about, oh, I'm going to hang it on the wall. And he's like, then why is it on the couch? And somehow this makes him think that it looks a lot like the Thanksgiving pageant, I guess, because it's a Puritan woman. Yeah, because it's like a pilgrim. And so then they start talking about the fucking pageant again and brings up the fact that the Standish name is old and has a long history, just like Tabitha's family. And maybe Charity's ancestors knew Tabitha's ancestors back in the day. <laughs> and this is where we have a second flashback. It was the best one. Where Tabitha 
attacks Charity's ancestor, Prudence, with laser beam eyes and makes her erupt into flames. Amazing. But then the two Puritan dudes are like, put the flames out. Yeah. Yeah. But it was amazing because Tabitha's on the pyre. Like she's tied to this pyre. They're going to, they're going to set her ablaze. Right. And Prudence is like, dost thou repent? Do, will you, whatever. And Tabitha's like, never. (laughs) And so then Prudence says like, um, I sentence thee to death by fire. And then Tabitha's like, no bitch, I sentence thee to death by fire. (laughs) And we have a little pew pew. And then, yeah, she uses her laser beam eyes. Laser beam eyes. To set her on fire. Oh my God. Excellent. Oh, it's so good. And then they set Tabitha on fire. Yeah, and she curses Prudence. Tabitha says that she will not rest until the Standish clan are all destroyed. And she laughs. At, she laughs maniacally yes, as she, she burns does. at the stake. Yep. And the kids then leave. The kids <laughs> all head home, and Tabitha tells Timmy, I have a plan, but I need a little more information before I can implement this and eliminate charity from the planet. Yep. Outside, Miguel is talking to Charity, and he tries to convince her to be in the pageant, and she's like, oh, I guess I'll do it if I can... If I can back out at the last minute, just in case I don't want to do it. What? Then don't do then it. Then don't do it. Then don't do it. You know how upset I would be. I was like annoyed at that. Only, I guess because I put together little shows with kids where it's like, you can't just back out. We need you. Every, we need every single one of you. Yeah. Like, you can't just not do it yeah. when you've committed to doing something. Stupid charity. Charity's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So Kay's, of course, upset because she thinks of the pageant as her and Miguel's thing. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. So let's talk about Chad. Let's talk about Whitney and Chad. Yeah. Because that's really it for the kids right now. Tabitha has murder in her heart. She's going to get charity. Yep. That's it. But we, we have to go back to the book cafe to cover Whitney and Chad. Let's do it. Okay. So... so- <laughs> Go. so Chad has run into Whitney at the book cafe and of course they argue because they like to argue because they're basically Louise and Sheridan at the beginning of this show and he uh notices that she's on the computer she's compiling tennis st- stats and analyzing data and is just really back she's hard on the tennis right now mm-hmm. she's back in on it and he so he's kind of teasing her about it he's like what's this about tennis what are you doing you're supposed to be like out having fun and dating boys and living your life mm-hmm. and she says the conversation that I had which by the way was meant for my father and not you was a temporary lapse okay I'm not into that I am using this computer. I'm working on my stuff. I am. And you'd be amazed at what you can do on a computer. I'm because apparently Whitney is also compiling data on the history of harmony going all the way back to the pilgrims. This is like a side project of hers. Yeah. I wonder if it's like for school. Oh yeah. Maybe. Okay. That's the only thing I could think is why else would she be doing that? She made it sound like it was just like a fun thing that she was doing. Maybe it was. I thought maybe it was like a school thing that or she's like a history buff and this is something that she's enjoy enjoys doing i don't know yeah but anyway he hears this and he goes oh well maybe you could do a search for my last name harris and harmony and she's like i mean i can do what i can and so she so she searches but she can't find any trace of any harris's in harmony she says um well what about your birth records maybe i can check for your birth in la and so he tells her he was born in 1980. So she checks for um, birth records for Chad Harris in L.A. County. And there's no birth certificate that was registered for Chad Harris in L.A. County in 1980. They then search through all the neighboring counties of yeah. L.A. County. And this, nothing. No, there's nothing comes up. And She's this is like, when. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. 
What were we going to say? I was say, she's like, well, maybe there was a name change. Maybe, you, maybe your parents ended up changing your name for some reason. He's like, well, that couldn't possibly happen. Why would they, why would they do this? So after having like run out of ideas, this is when oh. Simone comes in. Okay. Simone comes in. She says, oh, I'm happy to see, you know, Whitney working together with Chad and that she's, they're not fighting basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Chad leaves, Whitney tells Simone that she's just helping him to find his family because the sooner he finds them, the sooner he will leave and leave her family alone, basically. Chad overhears this. I think he's a little hurt by it. I think it hurt his feelings. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he comes back over and Whitney says her search still hasn't turned up anything. And Chad accuses her of, of screwing up the search on purpose out of spite mm-hmm. because she's just trying to mess with him, which I mean... Me- She's been really, really mean to him. Yeah, she's not been kind. She's been very nasty to him, so it's not that much of a stretch. We know Whitney wouldn't do that, but she's been she, she has shown him nothing but nastiness. And he doesn't know her. He doesn't know anything, yeah. you know, so that's all he's seen. And Simone defends him. You know, she starts arguing on his behalf with Whitney, uh, but Whitney won't hear it and actually suspects that Chad is not who he says that he is. She's like, I bet he's a con artist. He's making up a name. Like, if the, if this information was real, I would find it in this database. Yeah. So he's making, he's lying. He's yeah, making he's not- it up. He's not who he says he is, she Mm -hmm. says. Well, meanwhile, Chad is serving some old geezer uh, who asks where Beth is and then orders a very um, strong coffee, right? And he tells Chad, you know, I'm, hey, man, I'm Orville. And Chad's like, oh, Chad Harris. And then the old man was like, hmm, seems I heard that name about 20 years ago. And Chad's like, that's when I was born. You know, mm-hmm. and the old man says, mm, the, the, the name rings a bell uh, to me. It made it seems like it was quite a story at that time. But his memory is very obvious, like very fuzzy. He, he doesn't remember. This man is very old. He, yeah. yeah, they've really they've really olded him up for the yeah. for the show, for sure. Chad is kind of intrigued by this new revelation. Right. He's like, OK, here's a little bit of a lead. And Whitney butts in and she's like, give it up, Chad. You have no connection to Harmony, just like you have no connection to L.A. What is her malfunction? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. She's she's sucking right now. Yeah. And I don't like it. So then the old man says, yeah, I know everything about baby Chad Harris. But he promptly forgets their entire conversation because this man either has dementia or Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear that there's there's something going on with him. Um, cause he, in the middle of the conversation has, has lost all memory of everything. He's like, who, who are you? Who's Chad? Who are these girls? Where am I? What am I doing? And then he breaks into song. Move on, move on to the place where you belong. Yeah. Move on, move on. And he starts talking about how they used to sing that when they would go see the New York Mets. I was just like, you would, it's just funny to me that the, who talks about the Mets and not the Yankees. You know, I, th- I thought people that was who live in Queens. Yeah, that's true. People who live in Queens. Yeah. So he's he like wanders off and starts singing the song. Move on, move on, whatever. And uh, while this is all happening, Chad goes to make that coffee. Mm-hmm. And Simone starts arguing with Whitney. Like, why are you not being supportive? What what's your damage, Heather? Mm-hmm. And uh, Whitney is like, just get the coffee and let's get the fuck out. Like, I'm tired of doing this. So Chad goes over to Orville and tries to like get him to talk to him a little bit more tries to like help spark his memory and finally Orville accidentally says something intriguing he says make the kid move on to where the place he belongs back in LA California Mm -hmm. 
Los Angeles, California. And this, of course, interests Chad. He's saying, wait, I grew up in L.A. And Orville starts to sing that fucking song again and walks away. (laughs) (laughs) But Chad follows after him. And Orville tells him, uh, you know, Chad Harris was born right here in Harmony, not in L.A. And he says, there will be a lot of people who will be interested to know that Chad Chad Harris is back in town. And Chad asks him to take him to those people. He's like, who? Take me to... Take me to those people who would be interested to know that I'm back in town, you know. And Orville agrees. He's like, okay, yeah, I think I could do that. But he says, first, I need to make a phone call. And I need to make it outside because I, don't, I can't take the chance of certain people listening in on my phone call. Mm-hmm. So it's all very suspicious. Yeah, and Chad and Simone are excited about this. But Whitney ever the downer Whitney is like, I don't think Orville's a reliable source. Like she's not really, she's not really buying it. So as they're talking, time is starting to pass and they realize that Orville hasn't come back in. So they decide to go check the payphone outside. Uh, and Orville has disappeared into thin air. The receiver is like hanging off. It ha- the phone has not been hung up and Orville's hat is sitting on top of the phone, uh, the phone booth. booth thing. And uh, he's nowhere to be seen. Nope, he's gone. And so Chad picks up the phone and he talks into it. He goes, hello, hello. And we hear someone hang up on the other end. You hear that click. And everyone is very confused, myself included. Yeah. I was very, 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 very confused. And then they go back into the shop and Miguel comes in after leaving charity. Yeah, this was a terrible transition. And Chad fills him in on everything that happened. Chad still has Orville's hat and then he thinks, oh, maybe I could use this to find Orville. So he enlists he enlists Whitney's help and her expertise on the internet (laughs) on the search engines and they search the hat company and find a store in harmony that sells that brand of hat and so chad goes to call that hat shop and then these sisters argue again about chad while he's behind his back you know um chad gets orville's address from the hat shop which is which is great but also awful like i Mm -hmm. hope that a place wouldn't just give up my address to a random stranger who calls but I guess in 1999, the world operated it's very different. Things were different. Oh, my goodness. I also, think- I can't imagine giving my address to any place outside of somewhere that I, I guess if I ordered something, they would have my address. But yeah. a place that I went to, I don't know. Target like tracks all my shit. That's all of true. my fucking shit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I do not know. All right. But I do think that we should talk just a little bit about Simone because this entire time Simone is thinking something has happened to Orville because people are trying to keep him quiet. Like two men came and pushed him in a van because he was talking to someone about something that he shouldn't be talking about and they kidnapped him. She's like, this is how all great mysteries begin. So we, so we've got to get to the bottom of this because this is big and everyone is laughing at it. They're like, come on, this can't be real. And we have already concluded that Simone is like, the smartest person on this show yeah she puts everything together first yeah yes she always does yes she does she's got it together i'm a simone i i (laughs) i believe simone i absolutely think that simone is right like something orville knows something that he's not supposed to know he's running his mouth he's he's a danger to whoever is trying to keep him quiet and so they like shut him up they they picked him up off the street threw him in a van and have done god knows what with him yep so chad now has the address and has decided i'm going to go to orville's house and get some answers and uh, Simone tries to go with him, but Whitney stops her initially. 
and tells her like you need to go home mom doesn't want you hanging out with this kid blah 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 and Simone's like yeah you're right okay I'll meet you at home because I need to get a book and then I'll you know for school and then I'll head home and I'll see you there of course Simone is gonna follow Chad yeah like how did Whitney not see through this yeah she follows Chad and he sees her and she's like and he's not happy to see her no he wasn't happy to see her at all he He was was like what are you doing here yeah she's like oh I just I want to help you and see what was going on with Orville and he was like he was like suit yourself basically he was like stay if you want to yeah Chad doesn't like her no that's why I'm a Simone oh no he doesn't like her nobody likes me no (laughs) oh I like you no but that's why I'm a Simone how how many men have I been ghosted by they don't like I think, unfortunately, that's just, like, <laughs> online dating in the time of corona. Like, the ghosting is real. Well, and that's the thing about Simone, though. Again, this is why I'm a Simone. Because she has put everything together. She knows what she's talking about. And yet, this man still doesn't like her. That's why. He's intimidated. She she could help him tremendously. I, I bet you anything Simone could help Chad better than Whitney could. Whitney did oh, it yeah. reluctantly. But Simone has, like, some some stake in it right mm-hmm. like she cares about it Whitney doesn't really care about it yeah whatever so I think if honestly and this sounds like an odd couple but I think if you put Miguel and Simone on the case they would get it figured out because yeah. <laughs> because they both have a vested interest Simone yeah. is super super smart and Miguel is super super nice yeah like I yeah. and and I think they'd I think that's the team that's the team that, that we should maybe should put Sam sure. in they there a, they need a um Sam Simone and Miguel Sam Simone and Miguel like the Scooby-Doo team <laughs> the mystery machine <laughs> hilarious but uh, I but I love Simone and we'll actually we'll talk more about it in a minute but um so Chad's not happy to see her and then he bangs on Orville's door bang 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 open up Orville open up he's real aggressive but yeah. of course there's no answer and honestly if somebody was banging on my front door like that I 100% would not answer but uh, Orville doesn't seem to be no there. one's home please people knock on the door and I stay in my room all the time yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't order anything and I wasn't expecting anyone <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows you call first yeah so they, they have no luck and Chad decides to stake it out. So he stays there all night and wakes up outside of Orville's place where he has slept on a literal garbage couch. <laughs> it was like the back seat from a car. Is that I couldn't figure out what it was. Also, why does Orville live in like an abandoned warehouse? Like the outside of his house has like graffiti on yeah, it. It's like an alleyway. It's like an like what what it, it it yeah, it's just an alleyway full of like dumpster trash that isn't in the dumpster for whatever reason. Yeah, it does it's not he's a home. An, well, he's an old man with like on a fixed income. He's poor probably and yeah. can't work cuz his mind's all yeah, gone. I just he probably th- lives on what he had left and that's what he can afford. Is that the front entrance, though, or is that like a back entrance I think or it's something? Ju- I think it's just the front of a, an apartment building on a bad street. Yeah, okay. I don't think it was, uh, yeah, I don't think it was, well, to me anyway. That's what yeah. it kind of looked like to me. It just didn't look like a, like a home. I don't know. It didn't, like the, the outside of that building, well, I guess they're turning warehouses into homes. I don't know. It was just, it was just interesting. Mm. So Chad's been there all night waiting on Orville to come back. And he, somebody walks past and he grabs their leg and he's like, I got you now. But it turns out to be Simone who has brought him coffee and donuts. And he tells her he's waiting him waiting for Orville and he's going to stay there until he comes back. And Simone, again, the smartest person on this show, probably has this all figured out. And so she explains, you know, basically, I think someone is trying to keep the truth from you, Chad. And maybe they kidnapped Orville. I don't know. Which she wasn't right about that. But something's going. Something is going on, right? Someone's trying to keep him quiet. 
Yeah, she she thinks that the person Orville called told him to back off. And that's why he was shut up mm-hmm. because he, it was, it was forced on him. And, and yeah, her mind goes a little wild. Maybe he's being held in a cave and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, She goes far. And that, that's probably not true, but like she's, I, she's definitely on the right path. Absolutely. So, uh, she wonders, can Orville help point you in the direction of some relatives? And just as they're talking about this, Whitney shows up to bust up the party. She comes in and snatches Simone up. She grabs her and mm. pulls her away from Chad mm. And and she's just generally annoying. She, I, this girl is getting on my last nerve when it comes to her sister. So then these girls argue about Chad again. I'm worried about you. You need to get yourself a life. You need to take that biology test. Like they just go back and forth. Mrs. So, Jenkins doesn't give makeup tests. Yeah, because <laughs> Simone's like, I'll take a makeup test. And uh, that's what Whitney says. Mrs. Jenkins doesn't give She doesn't makeup give makeup tests. tests. So you have to get there and take that test or you're going to fail. And Simone is so worried that Whitney's going to like rat her out to their parents. And Whitney's like, well, I won't have to because Mrs. Jenkins is friends with dad. So if you don't take the test, it's going to get back to him. And she, and he's going to find out that, that you weren't there at school and know that you were here with Chad. Mm-hmm. So she says, you go back to school, do what you're supposed to do. I don't have classes till the afternoon because that's how high school works in harmony. And Whitney offers to stay and help Chad. So Simone can Go back to school. And take her biology test. Mm-hmm. So Simone leaves and Whitney and Chad go back and forth and back and forth about Chad's identity. Like she's still not on board. She's like, this Orville is clearly unwell. Like, how can you believe any of this? But I don't know how she's not on board because he knew details that who, why would he know that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway. Did anyone ever explain that part to her, though? Like, did she overhear Orville talking about L.A. or was it just Chad? Yeah, she heard, she everybody heard it. Okay. Yeah. So Simone leaves, Winnie and Chad go back and forth. And I said, you know, I'm actually really hating these two people together. And I, the next thing I wrote was, why did I ever ship these two people? I loved Whitney and Chad loved them wanted them to be together thought they but the more I'm looking at this it's like no Simone should have been with Chad I don't like Whitney and Chad together and the argument that they have is really mean and spiteful she's so mean yeah and because they start they she goes in on him she says every story you have ever told about yourself is a lie and he says well that a that's not true and b everything that I have ever done I've done on my own like you are the person who's lived your life with a silver spoon in your mouth like so why are you coming after me and acting like you know me when you have you couldn't even imagine what my life looks like he says you'll never have to worry what it's like to worry about what your where your next meal is coming from you've never had to work hard for something only to have it snatched away and uh then when he's like oh when you when you decked your boss in la was that because he deserved it or because you just couldn't cut it she's so mean to him mm-hmm. she's so mean he's like that's you why are you coming down so hard on me? Is it just because I don't have this? I don't have the same background that you have. Like, what is your problem? And he says, what do you have against me? And she says, don't take it personal. How can he not? This right? is absolutely personal. Yeah. It's that's the only It's 100% personal. Mm-hmm. Like literally you looked at me and decided that I was no good as a person for no reason for absolutely no it's completely personal mm-hmm. don't take it personal ouch she's working on my last nerve but it's gonna switch here in a second uh so what happens so whitney has is questioning the validity of chad's story basically and he tells her that it's not her business and she says well it is now because you've brought my family into this and he's like your sister sold me a jacket what do you mean i brought your family into this your family has decided that you're involved in this with me mm-hmm. uh, and then they recap Yep, recap, recap, recap. Yep. 
And, and uh, then Orville shows up. Then Orville shows up. And Chad is so mean and aggressive. Crazy. It was he fucking goes, crazy. He goes, he like starts putting his hands on Orville. He like has him up against the wall, like hands like around his like neck almost. Like it's like, what are you yeah. doing? Well, because Orville comes in, he sees the two of them and tries to like hightail it out of there, but he's old. So he's like quickly hobbling and Chad like catches him and grabs him by his fucking coat and his coat collar and jacks him up a little bit. And he, yeah, it is. What are you doing to this elderly man? And then Whitney makes him back off. She's like, get off of him. Um, she's like, you're scaring him. He's an elderly man. And yeah, she's like, I work, I volunteer down at the hospital and I work with like geriatric people who have Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's who have dementia, who are suffering. She's like, he's clearly confused. He's been gone all night. Like, you can't yell at him. It's just going to make it worse. You have to be patient and you have to be a lot nicer. So suddenly Whitney is the voice of reason. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Whitney's a good person. It's just when it comes to Chad, she's super shitty. Yeah. But Whitney overall, everything else we've seen of Whitney has been great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she um, talks to Orville, who is very upset, very confused, as of course he is, you know. And um, she tries to calm Orville down and calm Chad down. And she tries to say, Orville, we were you. We were at the book cafe yesterday. You said you had to make a call, and then you just disappeared. Do you, does it, is any of this ringing a bell? He's like, I don't know who you people are. <sighs> and then she says, Well, we've got your hat. And then that kind of he kind of remembers. He's yeah. like, Oh yeah, I I left my hat, and we were talking baby Chad Harris, blah blah blah. So then she's like. How about we go inside? I'll make us some tea. We can have a little conversation. Because at first she was going to leave, but Orville didn't want to talk to Chad. He was like, I'll only talk to you. Right. And so they go into the house. She starts to make the tea. And inside the house, Chad looks through Orville's record collection. He's got quite the music collection. He does. And Orville tells him, you know, I've got a bunch of records down in the basement. You're welcome to come over anytime. You can look through them. You just let me know. Yeah, because Orville has already forgotten that he's afraid of Chad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was like, why is he being so nice? Because he forgot. He forgot. He He's not going to remember this. So Orville tells Whitney and Chad that he does remember something. He said that those people said something about the kid. Oh, yeah. It was about that birthmark. And Chad's like, oh, you know, I have a weird mark on my body, but it's in a place that I can't really see. I only know about it because a couple of girls have mentioned it to me. And Orville was like, well, I'll take a look and maybe it's a matching birthmark. Of course, there's a fucking birthmark. Yeah. And of so, course. of course. And so Orville, so Orville's like, well, because I guess he's lost his glasses. He was wearing these like Coke bottle glasses the, the, at the book cafe the previous day, but they're nowhere to be seen. And uh, so he can't see anything. He's like, I won't be able to see up close without a magnifying glass. And they're like, well, we're not going to search through this dump for a magnifying glass. <laughs> Whitney, just look at the fucking birthmark. She's like, I'm not going to look at the birthmark because it's like on his ass. Yeah. She tells him that <laughs> he tells her to describe it. And so without any consent whatsoever, he starts to unzip his pants and drop trout. I'm right in the living room. I wrote the exact same thing. <laughs> Chad starts unzipping his pants to drop trout. <laughs> That's what I wrote. Um, and then Whitney stops him saying, I'm not going to look at your whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he says, you know, I can't get out of harmony or out of your family's life until I get some answers. So then she's like, fine. I love this scene because Orville's like, lower your pants, drop your pants. And Whitney's like, I don't want to see them. Keep them up. Keep them up. Like, lower, lower. <laughs> higher, higher. So finally, he pulls down his pants. Whitney looks at it. She says she notices a teardrop shaped something. And Orville says, is it red? And she's like, yep, it's red. And he's like, that's it. That's the birthmark that was on baby Chad's behind. <laughs> <laughs> And so Chad takes this opportunity to ask about his parents, but Orville's memory starts to go at exactly that moment. And 
when he recognizes who he's talking to, he says, oh, you're back. Uh, they're not going to be very happy. And he tells them that they can't talk too much about the Chad Harris boy because it's all a secret. Mm-hmm. So they try to push, but they can't get any information. And Orville says he's too tired. He needs to lay down. And he tells Chad to go get a photograph from his bedside table because there might be some like a hidden clue in there. And then he asks Whitney to go get some more tea in the kitchen. And he bolts. Yeah. Then he splits and is promptly hit by a car. Yup. <laughs> we hear the sound of squealing tires. And then we see Chad and Whitney run to get to the window. And then uh, they pull the blinds down in the most in the most disrespectful way. Have you ever seen somebody like pull blinds real far down? And yeah. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's like you put your hand in between two of the panels and just pull down. It's and like, the, just use just the like, cord. Use the cord or like just lift the one thing to peek through. Yeah. But like, don't grab at it and pull it down. Yeah. What the fuck? Also, just go out the door. Anyway, they see him and he's lying in the street and they run out to him. And they think he's dead. Yeah. We think he might be dead. Yeah, we don't know about Orville, but they call an ambulance. They do the right thing and call an ambulance, but yeah. it might be too late for old man Orville. Yeah, but I think he's given them a decent amount of information at this point. Yeah. So I that's mean, good. A birthmark. A birthmark. I love it. And Scar- could it be that all the... Is that the Scarlet Pimpernel? Is that that story? That old story with like the... the Scarlet Pimpernel. Why, do, why does that sound familiar? Isn't it like a Danny Kaye movie? I don't remember. I don't know. Or something like that where there's like the... Like the, the but Something about like, like a missing prince and he yeah, has like a, birthmark. a birthmark. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's everything. Yes, it's got to be. I think that's it. All right. This was good. This was good. These were good episodes. Yeah. This was a good week. A good chunk. I feel like this week we did a lot of story development. Yeah, they did. And we heard the Martin story a lot. Oof, so we know that's coming so up. So now you know the Martin story. The Martin story? The Martin story. Now you know the Martin story. It's all about Martin. He lived on Railroad. <laughs> street (laughs) okay so remember you can always get in touch with us through social media facebook instagram tiktok at passions podcast or you can send us an email we are passions podcast at gmail.com and you can check out our website where we have lots of fun things we've got merch we have a forum for you to talk about what's going on in the episodes we have the episodes posted Mm -hmm. on the forum we do it weekly weekly Mm -hmm. so you can watch them there and then write about your feelings and your thoughts. Yes, please, please. I'm dying to hear y'all's thoughts. I want to talk to more people about this, not just Laura. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. All right. <laughs> so I'm sitting right in front of you. All right. So that's it for this week. Thank you for, li- thank you so much for listening. Thanks we for really listening. appreciate it. Our listenership has really like gone up recently. So I don't know if you're telling your friends, but continue or family, to do that. But if yeah. you are, keep doing it. It's, it's pretty great. It's been amazing. Yeah. Keep listening. We love you all. And you are my passion for life.